What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 24th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchand. TGIF. TGIF, Matt yes, Rohrbeck. We're, we're a little late this week. Um, I blame you. Yes, I blame me um, as well for most things. Uh, you've had a busy week over at uh, uh, Cinema Scene and Rogers. Yes, so, which um, right now, the episode that we're uh, on together, uh, you can watch. Yes. Online I, or... There's a clip on. Online, yeah, right? there and should be the the full episode should stream at some point online um, because they usually do. Um, but yeah, you can see what we look like in, in on on a computer screen or TV screen. I thought it was a great episode. It was very good, very smooth, very. Uh, we chatted about Avengers. Basically, everything we chat about on the on show is just a smaller, shorter version of yeah. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, we basically with no ourselves. swearing. Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes I think I mess up, but I'm usually pretty good. I, yeah. I say heck a lot or something like that. Or, uh, uh, But yeah, how you been, man? Good? I've been good. I've been good. I've been a little stressed. I haven't watched a whole lot because um, this week has been busy, as, as you mentioned, with uh, Cinema Scene and Rogers, and we have... Uh, uh, volunteer week coming up uh, with with April uh, just around the corner, so it's kind of been a busy week and sort of just it's been taking up a lot of my time. So I've only been able to watch a couple things here and there, and you know to stay kind of uh, sane. Um, I've been watching a lot of YouTube stuff. Uh, right. Rhett and Link recently had a a, a March <laughs> Milk uh, Madness where they had all these brackets of different cereals, which was fun. I haven't watched. Uh, the finals yet, and then also um, Keith eats the menu. The final in season one, where he goes to this really uh, refined steakhouse. And yeah, did you watch that yet? I did. It was pretty it's, funny. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's not my favorite yeah. of them because I think like he like him liking everything is kind of what hurts it. Yeah. But it's all really good steak, right? Yeah. Like, but it did make me like... want to try that uh, the wagyu. Oh god, I've always uh, wanted to. Looks but it's good, like and I'm not a big obscene. steak person. Like I don't mind steak, right. but I'm not like that's not my. I mean, I'm a vegetarian food. now, but watching that, or I mean, I say a vegetarian in in quotations. I cheat here and there, and I would cheat for a delicious, delicious steak. But even yeah, I've I haven't really had meat in five months or so now but i was watching that and i was like oh man all of this looks so good yeah it's really well um, shot and i think my favorite is the taco bell one yeah no i mean i'm, I'm glad you're uh on the youtube kick because even I, I find myself that's why i'm slacking on so much tv watching is just because i watch a lot of youtube now i mean you guys i talk non-stop about the kind of funny guys and then i watched a lot of the try guys and and yeah Rhett and link and uh my whole youtube playlist is just non-stop so i find myself going there more often right. than not than if i'm not watching a movie i just i don't know that i have like anxiety and like commitment issues when it comes to television and you know that too and I right and especially sort of if you get invested boat. and it only lasts like a season and again like or it goes on too long and i find dramas are harder to invest in than comedies like Brooklyn Nine Nine, I can yeah. I can just burn through really quickly because yeah. it's just easy to. I'm rewatching digest. The Office right now. Yeah, like is, stuff yeah. like that is perfect. Where it's like you don't necessarily have to pay full attention to it. You can even just have it it's on like in the background. It's like a before bed kind of thing. Yeah, usually. exactly. Like you, you yeah. know, you, you you're you're hanging out with some old friends you haven't seen in a while. You're exactly. checking in. Um, and then I also uh, watched um the film junk live stream of their 700th episode uh last sunday yeah which you mentioned on um, the last episode which was really fun uh i kind of fell asleep during their game junk segment because i just i i don't have any invested in video games or yeah they were just yeah. talking about like red dead redemption yep. 2 and stuff like that about hats falling off nice um but it was it was good like it was just nice to see these guys 
get a little bit of the respect that they deserve. And um, they raised, they're still raising money now. So if you know you're a fan of of the podcast, you can go and donate till the end of uh, the end of this month. Are they going next through week. Patreon or what are they doing? Um, yeah, it's through it's no, it's through PayPal. And oh, right. um, so just donations. Yeah, right, just yeah. donations. And so by the end of the 700 episode, they made about six thousand dollars. That's great. Um, and they're still going, and it's to replace old equipment and and mics and stuff like that and they've had it for they've had them since for 14 years now yeah which is crazy yeah good for them man good um but if you guys didn't know this is the untitled movie podcast where each and every week eric and i get together talk about our lives what we've been watching on youtube what we've been eating yada 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 we have uh, some cherry cokes um, (laughs) and some tarts from (laughs) maples got just hopped up on sugar sugar. for this episode so we're either gonna (laughs) crash halfway through or i'll need like we'll get the shakes uh, yeah or something like that but uh we also talk about movie news sometimes do we (laughs) on this podcast uh and if you guys like this long-winded garbage truck um we also do another podcast called uh untitled movie reviews where eric and i get together and review a new release movie whether that's uh upcoming in theaters something that was recently released or something that's on streaming services uh so those are about 20 25 minute episodes that's on a separate feed we'd love for you guys to go over and follow or subscribe and and like us over there we have new episodes up for uh dumbo uh, the and beach the bum. beach bum, as well as there should be a Shazam review up uh, as you're listening to this now, as well as we had some uh, other reviews. I have them. Sorry, I have things. Uh, We've had stuff like us, Triple Frontier. Us Triple Frontier, waiting for the punchline. There's lots of great stuff over on that channel. If you guys either haven't seen those movies and want to hear what we think, or you've already seen them and kind of want to compare your thoughts to ours, that'd be uh, really. It's the YouTube one. version of this show. Yeah. It's the bite-sized version. Well, bite quote sizes unquote. in 20, 25 yeah. minutes. But that's yeah. still our. Totally, yeah. So, yeah. When you're doing two hours every week, that is a bite-sized version. Um, We're doing coke and eating tarts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else have you been watching this week? You said you've been kind of busy. You've been yeah, so I haven't YouTube, watched but... a lot of stuff. Um, I was able to catch up or rewatch um, Edgar G. Ulmer's uh, Detour, which was on uh, the Criterion Channel streaming service as their movie of the week last week. Right. Um, it's a bleak film noir from 1945 and uh it stars uh tom neal as this kind of drifter who goes from new york uh to los angeles hitchhiking and on the way there he gets stuck with a, a body in the trunk of a car and to make matters worse he meets up with a uh, very savage and savage uh starring as vera and it's just again like it's it's the definition of film noir, but also, you know, it was the script written by uh, Martin Goldsmith, you know, was made at the tail end of World War Two. So you can you can feel the kind of desperation and despair in each scene and it only gets worse. It's probably one of the most depressing films I've ever seen. But at the same time, it's a genre movie and it's very right. slick and well paced. And um, I remember the first time I saw it. It was after uh, Roger Ebert recommended it back in like the 90s, considering it one of the best film noirs of all time. So hopefully more people will get to check that out. And Criterion also released a, a physical copy of it last week. So uh, if you missed it on the Criterion channel, you can maybe pick it up there um, or wait until the Criterion launches on uh, April 8th. And it's it, yeah, it's a great it's a it's one of the best film noirs I've ever seen. And um Definitely worth uh, worth your time. Nice, man. Yeah, we're really close to Criterion Channel launching. Two weeks. I'm never leaving my house yeah, after two weeks away, and uh, we're going to talk about that later in the show because um, we're going to be talking about the Apple TV Plus stuff, of, and we're 
going to be kind of diving into it's probably that there's way too many streaming services now <laughs> but yeah um that's cool man um yeah i've been watching a i haven't watched a ton but you, you've watched I a mean, lot more than me i mean i just always am watching stuff i usually stay up after, you like to watch after nevis goes to bed i just randomly watch uh shit um what have i been watching i'm doing kind of a truncated mcu rewatch because last year i did the entire uh mcu um i watched all 21 movies leading into uh infinity war it would be 20 right uh, because 20 yeah and it because was 21 21st. is captain marvel oh is it i don't know there's too many. Yeah. Um, so Gotta I, update your letterbox list, man. I Yeah, I mean, I've been going through... So I skipped phase one, pretty much, and just jumped right, into, uh, jumped right into the Avengers. Because the only phase one movie that I really, really love is the first Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, the rest are usually near the bottom of my ranking. So I thought... And then Avengers does a pretty good job at kind of recapping and, and introducing the characters again yep. so replacing edward norton yep exactly so um you, i think you can skip phase one and if you guys are trying to do a truncated uh, avengers rewatch I, I mean mcu rewatch you can kind of start there and i mean i can give you the order of that i'm going through but i i started with um avengers i was going to watch iron man 3 even though you probably don't need to because it doesn't really have anything to do with what you need to know going into no but it, uh, it, but it it's is one of my favorites suffering so. from post-traumatic stress syndrome because of avengers. avengers yeah and i think and for me it is the best marvel movie i i really like it. it's in my top five um but i don't own it weirdly so what the? um i uh I was didn't feel like renting or buying it again, and I, I'm kind of waiting for a 4K set to come out for all of these it will at some uh, point. movies. So I was like, you know what? I probably don't need to watch Iron Man 3. I did watch it last year. I think it's fantastic. So I went into uh, Winter Soldier, which I do find is probably um, necessary because of the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and introduces some stuff there. Um, so I rewatched that, finished that this morning. Um, still holds up. Uh, really, really well. Those are coming out on 4K. Um, right yeah, before. so in April, at the end of April, you have uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Civil War being released uh, on physical media for 4K releases. Mm-hmm. A few days before Endgame comes out. Yeah, kind of and the first Captain America is already available now yes. on 4K. So I rewatch those. Um, still, uh, Avengers and Winter Soldier are still highly, highly enjoyable movies, but I've seen them so many times now, and I've talked about them over and over again but uh making my way through mission impossible so i watched mission impossible 2 and oh boy (laughs) it is something it is of the Um, early 2000s and you can tell it's right around that time when the matrix like the matrix was 99 and it was starting to really influence the look and style of filmmaking along with you know john john just being john signature trademarks yeah dove slow motion dual wielding Uh, yeah it's just an ugly looking there's so much slow motion the soundtrack with limb biscuit and uh metallica very heavily like guitar mixed with like uh, kind of a Spanish, like, you know what I'm... Like, yeah, yeah. Kind of... It, it's very weird. Like, and a lot of uh, snap zooms and slow motion and um, just... Uh, it's so horny too with like yeah and it's just it feels so out of character for Ethan Hunt too for the rest of the franchise it just it's that one movie that just feels sort of out of place in that whole and of its time like it does really like you watch that and you're like yeah this is like of the early 2000s even with that saturated look that is just kind of gross uh it kind of reminds me of like Swordfish even remember with John Travolta and and Hugh Jackman just look the, the look like it feels like it is a Michael Bay Jerry Brockheimer Mission Impossible 
possible like, yeah. movie. And yeah, it feels like the characters are a little bit out of sync and not really who we've come to learn know them as as people. And and that really reflects. And I just don't. I think it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And I remember Dugray Scott, who's the villain in this, yeah. um, had to pick between this movie and X Men to play Wolverine, and he picked Mission Impossible too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of probably worked out for the best for us, at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not for Dugray Scott. I don't know what the hell he's been. What's the last thing he was in? The last thing I saw him in, and I'm sure he was in something more recently, but was My Week with Marilyn. Okay. He played Arthur uh, Penn. Fair enough. But yeah, no, not, Arthur Miller, pardon me. Not a very good movie at all. Yeah. Um, excited to finally get into... I mean, I, I, rewatch these la- I, I rewatch these all the time, but basically... Um, I'm just doing it again, uh, following this in review series from the kind of funny guys. So they're watching them for the first time. So I think that's interesting listening to them. Some of them are watching it for the first time. Some of them are huge fans. So it's just kind of, uh, I, Tim was going like, uh, guys, does this like get, is this how this series is? And they're like, no, just get through two. And then some people, three years a hit or miss for people. I really like three. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's excellent in the third one, but I'm excited to kind of go back and rewatch them. And what's cool this time around is the 4Ks came out after I did my rewatch last year before Fallout. So I get to watch them in 4K for the first time. And yeah, the second one, even in 4K, um, does not look great. Still ugly as fuck. Uh, what else have I been watching? Um, I watched uh, do, uh, Walk Hard, uh, the Dewey <laughs> Cox story. I haven't watched it in who a, a long ass time, but um, I saw some people talking about it online because um, musical biopics came up as a topic again. And well, like, with Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. and the dirt on Netflix, like yeah. the cliches of falling into those you know biopic traps, and you know obviously Walk Hard kind of makes fun of it them. satirizes and, all yeah. of that, and I think it does an excellent job at it. It's very dumb, but also um, smart, smart about how it approaches yeah. the structure. Like of the a jokes are really biopic. dumb, but the the satire I think is very clever. And like um, I, I showed it to Nevis for the first time, and she was like, "Yeah, it was it was interesting." Um, I think she mildly enjoyed it, but like I was just laughing my ass off, and um, I've always loved uh, Walk Hard, and I think the music is excellent, and uh, a lot of great um, comedic actors showing up in it. I mean, you mentioned that you forgot that like uh, Kristen Wiig and Jonah Hill. Yeah. Um, there's uh, I forgot. Um, there's so many cameos from people from The Office for, with Craig Robinson, and even not even a cameo, the lead female role. Um, uh, oh, Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then there's a giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love Tim man. Meadows in it as well. We were talking beforehand. I just love it. It's like, dude, you don't want any part of this. <laughs> I love the conversation about weed. And he's like, what is it? It's marijuana. It's like, does it? Is it addictive? It ain't addictive. <laughs> does it give you a hangover? There's no hangover. Uh, it's great. But you don't want any part of this. <laughs> it's really, really good. Uh, and then finally, uh, I told you I was watching The Office. Um, Nevis uh, has been making her way through her kind of list on Netflix of stuff that she wanted to watch. Um, so she randomly put on the F word. Um, or for those of you who don't live in Canada, I believe it's called What If. Yes. Uh, which is the Zoe. Question mark. Uh, yeah. Zoe Kazan, Daniel Radcliffe. Adam um, Driver. Romantic comedy that takes place in uh, Toronto. And... Uh, um, didn't like it when I first watched it in theaters. Still don't really like it. Um, I think there are elements that I think are decent. Uh, like when they're watching the thing. 
yeah, Adam Driver is also very funny. Uh, Mackenzie Davis is is great. I don't like um, Radcliffe and Kazan's chemistry in the movie, and I don't even like their story in the movie. I mean, fair enough. Um, if that doesn't work for you, then that is yeah. A big and I problem. just I don't I can't. I this was my main problem the first time, and I think the movie ends on way too much of a happy note, and um, it's it felt forced, and and it didn't feel. Like, that's how the movie should have went based on how the characters were interacting with each other and how everything net nets out. I feel like the ending feels very janky and uh, put together based on maybe, like, test screenings of being like, oh, we don't like how it ended and, and we needed to have a happy ending or something like that. Well, even but, the title, like the um, F word as well. And, and yeah. um, uh, Michael Douse, who directed it, who also did Fubar uh, and has a movie coming up in, in the summer with... Uh, Kumal Nanjiani, uh, Stuber, so... Dave um, Bautista, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I like him as a filmmaker as well. Um, did the first Goon movie, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of I dug it just because I actually did like the chemistry between mm -hmm. uh, Radcliffe and Kazan, but I also just liked the hangout quality of it because yeah. it's not really a movie that's necessarily in any rush to get anywhere. And I like how they, like they sit in, you know, the George street diner and have deep fried pickles and stuff like that. Like, I just like those kind of little moments. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish more movies were like took place in Toronto on that scale too, of with two great actors or, or a lot of great actors. And um, it's cool seeing your city represented in the way that like a New York is, uh, is represented. Right. And it's not kind of made it like it's there. It's a quote unquote, I, the cliche of saying it's a character yeah. in the movie, but it's not done in a way that's too upfront. And it's not trying to say like, Hey, like, you know, this is Toronto. It's just like, yeah, this is, it takes Toronto. place there. And yeah. it's cool though. Like they do go to like, I, I'm, some of the issues I had the first time of being like, how did they get to all these places they went on their date? Where I'm like, okay, they they easily could have done that, but uh, that was just nitpicky if you if you live in the city. But then yeah, I just don't like how everything nets out with them. And I'm not maybe ke their chemistry is fine, like while well, they're flirting with each other, but the whole thing of how how it nets out with her and Rafe Spall and 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 I just I don't know I couldn't get on board or cheer for them in the end which I think was unfortunate and maybe you're not like I guess sometimes life isn't life just works out that way and that I don't know I just it's very middling for me like I enjoy elements of it and right. um and then at, I think the ending kind of ruined it for me and then uh ruined a mildly enjoyable movie to kind of teeter it towards the eh, I don't really care about this right and it's funny because around that time as well in terms of Toronto-centric movies um, you also had Denny Villeneuve's Enemy and Sarah Pauly's Take This Waltz that were mm -hmm. opening around the same time. And I believe with Take, Take This Waltz, there's a lot of scenes that are shot in and around the annex as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think those movies are better than uh, The F Word, but it was just interesting at that period where you were getting you know, uh, Canadian filmmakers making movies that actually took had a response here. internationally that took place here that weren't disguised as something else, like the way that Shazam is, yeah. for instance, or something like that. Exactly, and I, I love that. I mean, I love this city, and I, I want it to be kind of in film even more, but I guess it's a hard thing. Everyone knows New York. Everyone knows L.A. or Chicago or Philadelphia or, like, I don't know. It's... I, it's it's cool. I like seeing the places that we go to on screen. It's it's really really awesome. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. Did you watch anything else? Yeah, I did. I I uh, rewatched uh, the stuff directed by Larry Cohen. Um, uh, he just actually a really a really interesting filmmaker who just sadly passed away. Um, 
he was kind of known as being like you know the shoestring uh, budgeted filmmaker that would make uh, you know either black exploitation films in the 1970s from Bone to Black Caesar um, to kind of like schlocky horror high concept horror films like It's Alive and uh, The Stuff, which was the movie I rewatched, and it's kind of like a uh, invasion of the body snatchers type movie about this like weird alien goo that comes up from the ground and somebody decides hey we can eat this stuff Mm -hmm. and people start eating it and then they become sort of addicted to it and eventually uh spew it out and the stuff becomes sort of a a blob-esque kind of character but it it's one of those movies that is in the category of a good bad movie um it is poorly shot the editing is completely discombobulated like it's it's so disjointed like there's scenes that don't match at all but at the same time you kind of really appreciate it because you can tell that somebody actually put some effort into this and it feels like somebody made it right and it's a fun kind of midnight movie but it like on a technical level his films for the most part in in the 80s weren't the greatest the thing he's probably best known for for like you know um wide wider audiences or what have you is um he came up with the story ideas for both uh phone booth uh, the joel schumacher film with colin farrell and cellular right um and he always had interesting concepts but necessarily when he wrote and directed the movies they kind of came out as kind of you know half-assed b movies and again i enjoyed them like cue the winged serpent is one of my favorites of his um and I even like this stuff a lot, but yeah, you can tell like it's a it's a film that's made by a person and not, you know, a, a studio, right? Um, and and again, like he was always interested in um, kind of the schlocky, weird, subversive side of life, and um, he made Roger Corman look like you know a millionaire uh, studio head compared to the the movies that he had to assemble on you know pennies to put together and it's just sad that he passed away and, and i know more recently he's been getting a lot of love there's a documentary on shutter that you can watch called king cohen uh which is about his career and a lot of his stuff is available on blu-ray the one that isn't is bone with um yafat koto who is in alien he plays this um thief and rapist who breaks into this affluent white uh, couple's home and kind of becomes the ref between them and it's again a very weird movie but it's one of his best and it's unfortunately it's not available on uh blu-ray so or dvd for that matter cool yeah cool 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 um all right let's move on to staying at home uh i don't have much on the digital front this week uh i went in and they have a lot of the same sales that uh, we're going on last week with uh, there's a March break sale. So a lot of kids movies are on sale on iTunes right now, um, as well as the collection sale that's going on that I mentioned. So um, I think a lot of those sales that I mentioned in last week's episode or the week before are still ongoing. Uh, the one new thing I wanted to mention, though, it's uh, Batman's 80th anniversary this year. Uh, Detective Comments. Comics 1000 just came out on Wednesday, uh, which features um, a lot of amazing creators and artists uh, collaborating on a uh, supersized issue of Detective Comics. And then that led into um, there's a Batman movie sale on um, digital. And there's a lot of Batman sales going around everywhere uh, this week because of that. But specifically on uh, iTunes, um, they have a Batman sale. So up to 50% off all Batman films. So the live action stuff, a lot of the DC animated stuff. Uh, I believe the 
complete Batman the Animated Series is like 40 bucks right now or That's something a steal. on iTunes, which is great. Um, so check that out. There's tons of great stuff. I think you can get Chris Nolan's uh, Batman trilogy for... Th- think 20 or 30 bucks right now in 4k unfortunately with that if you get the digital versions they don't have the expanded imax ratio so i can't like fully suggest getting them digitally um they still look good in 4k on that but you'll have the uh uh the cinemascope 239 aspect ratio throughout and it doesn't expand unless they've changed that recently but when i first uh checked them out last year they were just uh the regular uh, cinema versions, not the IMAX versions. Um, you have some stuff you want to mention for... Yeah, uh, I mean, I already mentioned Q the Winged Serpent and uh, Detour are available on Blu-ray. And also, um, Can You Ever Forgive Me finally got a, a Blu-ray upgrade from uh, Fox Searchlight because originally it came out a couple months ago, but only on DVD. So now you can pick it up on Blu-ray, which that's is... That's interesting. Why, like, why wait? Well, yeah. I, well, it's probably because people were complaining and yeah. there was enough people that really did want it on Blu-ray. And it was just weird because a film that is nominated for three Academy Awards you would think would just get even just a generic Blu-ray release. Right. Um, so it's nice that they, they put that out. And Times you are can, changing, man. You can Well, you can still pick it up. So, yeah. uh, And also, uh, I mean, we'll probably get into this more, obviously, with news, but, you know, with the passing of Agnes Varda, um, uh, Faces Places is available on through uh, Cohen Media Group on Blu-ray and DVD, and I would highly recommend... Uh, checking that out because it uh, will put a smile on your face. An and excellent movie. And, it will make you, know, you hate Jean-Luc Godard even more. That is very, very true. Um, and then uh, Aquaman is also out, which we reviewed on uh, Untitled Movie Reviews, if you guys want to check that out. Um, I think that would look spectacular on 4K. Um, I haven't checked out the 4K yet, but a fun movie. I mean, not something that you necessarily need to run out and go purchase, but... Um, and still a better movie than Shazam. I don't know what anybody's talking about. Dude, I, like, I don't either. Sometimes I think I'm taking crazy pills where I'm just like... I, I, I hate when we sound... When me or you sound overly curmudgeonly or like negative, and I, I hate coming across that way, but sometimes that's just how it how it falls. I mean, we were talking about before we went on the air, but we're not both you and I, we don't really sugarcoat how we feel about a movie, right? If we don't like it, we don't like it. We're going to tell you that we don't like it. And if it happens to be the three main releases in March uh, or early April, um, and we didn't like any of them, then that's just kind of how, how it falls. Right. Right. um, It is what it is. Cause both with like, I mean, Dumbo's getting, I think more mixed reviews, but there are some positive ones in there. Shazam's being incredibly praised. And I forget the other one that I didn't really care for us. But 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 we respect it. And the more I think about it, the more I do appreciate what, you know, Jordan Peele is trying to accomplish. Out of the three, us is, I, I mean, I think the best out of those three, um, not- Dumbo and Shazam are, are disposable product. Yeah. They're entertainment, which isn't a bad thing. It's just that's what they are. Where us, I think there's a little bit more thought being put into what the genre requires and also what Peel is trying to say. So yeah. you can get more from it. Yeah. And you guys can listen to our Us review, but I'm with you where um, Aquaman, I think, knows what it is. And it's so incredibly stupid and over the top. And, and it's fun because of that. Um, where if you guys listen to our episode, I had some tone problems in Shazam where I felt like it couldn't quite decide what it what it wanted to be. Yeah, the only thing I would say that Shazam has going uh, for it that Aquaman doesn't is that Shazam is a little shorter. 
where Aquaman yeah. felt like it was like an hour too long and, and it was nearly three hours and it didn't have to be. But wasn't it? No, it was two ten. We gotta look this up. It felt like Aquaman felt like three hours. I'll look it up. Um, but I mean, Shazam felt longer as well because we did, we weren't enjoying it. So, and I remember, you know, after watching the film, you just had this look of like, I have the worst headache I, I ever, did, yeah, I and I want to get the fuck out of here. One hundred and forty three minutes, so two twenty. Okay, because it did feel quite long. Oh like, yeah, two twenty is still long. Yeah, for a superhero but, movie yeah. and for a film about a fish man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Where Splash Aquaman... wasn't that long. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a massive headache after Shazam and. There's some enjoyable moments in there, but uh, I mean, go listen to our review. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, let's move over to uh, talking trailers, my friend. Not a ton this week. Like, I feel like comparatively to last week, we have so much less this week or stuff that's not quite of importance. Right. <laughs> um, but we still have some stuff to talk about. Um, right after we recorded last week, did, we didn't talk about this trailer, right? The Last Black Man in San Francisco? No, we did didn't. We? I think it dropped right after we were finished recording or maybe the day after. Yeah. Uh, so A24 um, dropped the first trailer for The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, a movie that premiered at uh, Sundance earlier this year. Um, oh shit, I should start prepping. Who? Uh, what's the director's name? Uh, Joe Talbot. Okay. Um, what do you think of the trailer? I really liked it. It's it's. I mean, you can definitely tell like he's kind of going for that uh, malicky, whimsical wonderment of finding uh, poetry in everyday life. Um, but I really like the way it's shot. I keep talking about Jonathan Majors as a guy that you should be paying attention to. I think he's going to be a big star. Um, even in a piece of crap like Captive State, he's watchable. Um, and I just like San Francisco as a, as a setting. Mm-hmm. And Danny Glover. Yeah, gotta love Danny Glover. I thought the cinematography was spectacular. Um, I love the score. Um, really, really excited for this. Um, uh, it has a summer release, but it doesn't have distribution in Canada as of yet. So we'll keep you posted when uh, a studio picks it up. The only thing is, A twenty four is starting to bother me a little bit weirdly, and 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 it shouldn't be um, because it is a studio and they have priorities to sell a film. And there's you know like any other studio. But I was hearing uh, the other day with. High Life because they recently screened it at the Lightbox. They added a scene. they added a scene of exposition, and I'm just I should like, give credit to I think Anna Swanson. Yeah, Anna Swanson yeah. was the one that that tweeted about it, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> why? A, a, like I thought, A24 was filmmaker forward, where they're like, you know what, we'll buy this weird thing. But you don't nobody... know, maybe it was uh, I, I maybe it was her decision to put it in. Right? If it is, I... that's fine. But I just have this feeling that's like, well, you know, maybe they did some test screenings afterwards, picking up picking it up at TIFF. And like, well, maybe we should, you know, put something in there. Because it seemed like it was a reshoot because it didn't look like a lot of the other stuff in the movie. Maybe, yeah. But um, that's interesting. Unless it was just a, something that got cut in the original cut, but then they put back in. Fuck box 2019 um. conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Something about exposition on a train. Right. Yeah. Um, but I am very excited for the last black man in Brooklyn and also in San Francisco, San Francisco. Why did I say that? Uh, in San Francisco, because I was going to the other movie, um, uh, The Farewell, which they also picked up at uh, Sundance, which I'm thinking a trailer is probably going to pop up soon for that with Aquafina and uh, Lulu Wong, who directed right. that movie. So Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think this looks excellent. I'm. Uh, it's skyrocketed to um, uh, t- pretty high up on my most anticipated. I thought this looked really, really excellent. and uh, Even dig the poster. It. You were telling me that, like, 
people already really love this director's shorts and that they will come from yeah. far and wide to see it. So I should so. give a shout out again. I mean, it was it, last week was weird. I would a shout out to Nick and and uh, at kind of funny and the whole rooster teeth teeth team who and matt hames and everyone who uh reached out to us about our waiting in the punchline review which i thought was very very nice of them uh both nick and matt listened to the listened to our review which um uh was very kind of them and kind of gave us a shout out so shout out to them as well but um they were talking about on screencast right after we they were recording screencast i think as we were or maybe it was a few days later no it was uh, yeah anyways it was on that day i think did we record last friday too I, I have no idea. I think I they recorded Wednesday, Thursday. Right. I forget what they were doing. But then uh, I was talking. Time has no meaning on this show. I was talking to Nick about uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco and, and us. And then on their show, they talked about the trailer too. And they're all from San Francisco and live there. Or not from there, but some of them are. Some just live there now. Um, and uh, the director of this movie, sorry. Joe Jude, Talbot. Joe Talbot. Um, uh, went to school with Tim's girlfriend Gia they went to the same media like media art school and um uh he was like the standout in their class and everyone came to their showcase because they wanted to see his short films and things like that so everyone knew that he was like the the uh the diamond uh in the rough over there and then um obviously he's proving himself very very well winning a, a director's award and uh i think was it best feature at sundance too it's but some you, sort of jury prize i mean sundance gives out a lot of awards, awards and <laughs> yeah. a lot of them have like it, it seems like they go over technically like just like to specifically say like oh the jury prize for you know audiences or the jury prize for critics and yeah so everybody wins something yeah but anyways um yeah so he was the one um i think some of his shorts are available on vimeo i've wanted to kind of uh, go try to seek them out but um yeah they were saying that they um there's a couple of them that were fantastic that uh, the shorts that he's done so yeah it looks like a great movie and i can't wait for it uh i mean complete opposite side of the spectrum now uh we can talk about dora in the lost city of gold um <laughs> this randomly popped up during the nickelodeon i think kids choice awards last weekend somebody gets um, slimed was john oh, cena oh, yeah. the host yeah, again I, did John Cena get slimed? Someone got. Everyone gets slimed. Yeah. Because I remember, Pratt, didn't maybe? John Cena host last yeah, year? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, Star of Bumblebee. Uh, I don't know what to like. It, I mean, this movie looks bad, real bad. It's for kids. Uh, yeah, but what's confusing to me is, is it for kids? Because like, or is it for kids that grew up, up with Dora? Because like, yeah. I, I understand that, but then it almost looks too kiddie to be for those people, like because. It, there is some weird things of like Dora's going to high school and there's like, uh, what's well, your uh, classic like, fish out of water comedy? Cause yeah. she lives in the, the rainforest with her, uh, mother and father played by Eva Longoria and Michael Pena. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, like it kind of, it's trying to be like a, you know, a, a young Indiana Jones kind of right. story, maybe with a little bit of Tomb Raider in there as well. Yeah. Um, but there's also like talking animals, um, Which they don't really show. show you, no, because it's uh, boots and uh, Benicio del Toro and uh, Danny Trejo. Yeah. were announced for them, but yeah, like I, I but like there's weird humor where like some of it is playing to like a an older seems audience, like an older but not audience? like like yeah like that probably grew up with Dora, but then the movie has a very 
like doors for preschoolers yeah. right and like like very young kids yes so like i never watched it no neither did i i think it was a little bit beyond our time because i think it came out in the early 2000s yeah um, and it didn't have that stoner quality that spongebob has right exactly <laughs> um so some of those kids where if dora started in i think 2000 they would be 19 now right uh, or don't, not even don't you 19. feel old like if they were only a couple years old they could be in their early 20s or they something, now have right? children <laughs> uh, some of them probably um so that's weird to me because then you could be like, if you, if you had a nostalgia for Dora, you'd be like, oh, cool, a Dora movie. Oh, it's cool. She's going to be in high school and it'll be live action and it'll be kind of a gritty Dora movie. But then it looks too, like not saying that it can be overly gritty, but you know. For that, that was the original title, um, Gritty Dora. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just don't know who this is for. Or why uh, do a live action version? Like why yeah. not try to do a more modernized animated film in the way that they kind of did with, you know, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse yeah, or, or even, even Rugrats. Yeah, back. Rugrats are. I think that's coming as well. There's a new Rugrats well, a li- movie. It was hybrid live action and. God, that's gonna how, be weird. That's gonna be very <laughs> weird. Are the babies animated, but everyone else isn't, or like I don't. Know. I'm intrigued by that, or or even just like with the SpongeBob films, right? Like right. do like a weird hybrid combination of live action animated and what yeah. have you. I, I like um, Isabel Monaire, who is in uh, Sicario. Day of the Soldado. Uh, mm-hmm. She was the young girl that got kidnapped. I think she right. is quite good, and she's also good in Insta Family. Um, but I, I mean, I like Michael Pena. Too, yeah, I do too. Like, Although, I mean, like even the jokes with them the, as like parents, it's like it's really they're, cringy. they're out of touch parents like, yeah. making really bad, uh, probably you know, uh, un PC jokes. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just don't. I obviously it's not for us, but no. I don't know who it's for. That's what I'm confused about. This August, we'll find out. But who knows? Maybe it'll be a masterpiece. Um, next, I want to talk about uh, a new, uh, the first full trailer or teaser um, dropped for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So during the Super Bowl this year, uh, we got four or five like short 10-second teasers kind of introducing all the different monsters um, in this universe. Um, I think uh, Guillermo del Toro did a presentation uh, a couple days ago on Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and they premiered the first uh, teaser for the film um, that kind of shows you that it actually, it seems like it's one story and not an anthology movie like some people thought it might be. And then... Um, yeah, they're going um, the Goosebumps route, right? Yeah. Where it's like, it's a small town that everybody, had, the kids in the small Knows town... Knows about are, these stories. Yeah, like, and they're being punished by a, a ghost that feels like she was, you know taking revenge on the parents, maybe almost like a Freddy Krueger kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I laughed because there is that line in the trailer, you know, you don't read the book, the book reads yeah, you. And you're just like, that's a Ooh. really bad line. Like I, I, I cringed at the same thing. I mean, the movie, I think I'm surprised that it is a, it's for a younger audience, right? Cause it's going to be a PG 13 horror movie. And the books are for that teenage group. Is right. That what it but is, they were, well, like, I'd say, I'd say like, you know, grade eight, seven, right. eight, like when you're kind of getting into but it genre looks stuff. Fucking terrifying. Well, they were for the that. books like, were the the stories were scary. Like yeah. they were creepy and weird. And and I remember when I was reading them, like I was like, is this age appropriate even for me? Like it was scaring the crap out of me. And the designs were right. horrifying. So it is adapting it in, in that way and bringing it to the big screen and in, in its you know traditional kind of realm. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know about it being like, you know, a connected small town kind of movie. I wish that it was more of just an anthology series because I think that could have been better. But 
who knows? Maybe it'll it'll work. I like Guillermo del Toro. I I don't mind that director, even though I can't pronounce his name. But he did the uh, autopsy of Jane Doe, which I really like the first half of that film because he sets up tension and dread before going into the jump scare territory that the second act kind of dives into. So I'm wondering, and Troll Hunters as well, like they're interesting concepts, but they don't really work out as as features. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays, um, especially being a late summer release and right on the heels of another It movie as well, coming in September, right? Right, because right. it opens in August. And right? this movie takes place in 1967, I yeah. believe. And too, both films and like... were shot in Toronto as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it looks kind of cool, but um, it, it does look... Again, I'm not sure is this supposed to be for kids or for adults. Um, uh, but I'm into the the creature design and and it does look genuinely kind of terrifying. I hate the spider pimple thing. I hate right. I hate all of it. <laughs> right, which again, like that is a very cl- like that's a classic story and and it's in in the anthology. Um, we need to get as we we need to play monster matchmakers. We need to get uh the pale lady together with the pale man from pan's labyrinth right <laughs> let's do it match made in heaven or hell, hell. <laughs> uh and eric you wanted to talk about uh an hbo trailer called chernobyl yeah so uh this uh trailer premiered the other day and i have this weird obsession or morbid curiosity for films about nuclear fallout obviously chernobyl is one of the the worst uh, historically documented uh, fallout and and you know movies and TV shows that kind of depict uh, nuclear radiation and death and sort of the bureaucracy behind it all are kind of intriguing to me. It's got a great all-star cast with Jared Harris, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Emily Watson, Jesse Buckley, so uh, uh, Barry uh, Cogan as well. So it, it's kind of a, an interesting uh, look. Uh, a procedural uh, at this time in 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 the 1980s, and and again, like when this happened, I mean, this was you know considered like, is this the beginning of the end of the world? Like, how is this going to affect everybody? And how it's still to this day a place that is you know it, it'll never be the same again. It'll never change. It'll always be you know tainted with this nuclear. Uh, fallout and mm-hmm. and you know there are other TV shows like the day after and threads that have also depicted it before and you're a big Chernobyl Diaries fan right? I hate that movie <laughs> so much but I did see it in theaters because I I was I'm interested in the subject and uh, right. Testament with Jane Alexander um, the other one that I was hoping that we would get but I haven't heard anything in years was the Luxembourg movie that uh, the guy that the tribe uh, had directed or was going to direct and it was right. about outside of Chernobyl or being outside of Chernobyl, and it was right. going to be a horror movie. And is he, did he finish that? Or I don't know. What's it's just he complete. doing? Because I, I love The Tribe. Man. I do, too. I mean, he's working on The Tiger right now for Focus Features with Darren Aronofsky right. producing. Right, but right. that was supposed to be his follow-up movie. And I remember hearing about it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be something really interesting. And disturbing. <laughs> it just kind of disappeared. And I don't know if he actually shot anything, or if it was just something that he could never get funding for. Right. Um, if you guys haven't seen The Tribe, go seek out You the definitely tribe. should, yeah. It's fantastic. Oh shit, that's my phone. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I watched the trailer right before we um, we started. Um, looks unsettling. Um, I don't know if I'll get around to it. I just know me with TV and well, and, and a miniseries uh, as well, yeah. right? But again, um, like it reminds me, like not that it, it doesn't. Is. It looks good. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But like just like 
I had like a bit of a Cronenberg thing as well, where yeah. like you know, again, the human body decaying. It just something about it is horrifying, but I also need to watch it. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're a sick fuck, man. Sure am. Um, all right, that's the trailers for this week. Um, I don't know what we should be getting soon. Um, I think I thought I heard. Um, Annabelle, a new yeah. Annabelle trailer is coming soon. Shortly. Right, there was a couple things that I, I remember that were. Oh, uh, Jim Jarmusch. Soon. Uh, right. The Dead Don't Die is, is the trailer supposed to come probably early next week. Nice. We have a, a news story about that. And speaking of the news, let's get right into it. Um, so starting off on a sad note, we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, but um, a couple um, uh, uh, film legends passed away this this week and, and one of them this morning. Um, Agnes Varda passed away um this morning and as you mentioned uh larry cohen also passed away this past week so um just wanted to cut quickly kind of i mean you already mentioned both uh faces talking about faces places and um yeah I, I wasn't super familiar with agnes varda's work even before um seeing faces places i think faces places is one of the only things that i've actually watched and when something like this happens i always kind of feel bad that I haven't gone and watched more of their work before they passed away, especially someone uh, who seemed as genuinely lovable as, as Agnes Varda was and, and talented too. Um, but I, I remember my, yeah, my first exposure to her was really uh, watching Faces Places at TIFF this past year or two years two ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. And um, it's just, like you said, if you just want to smile on your face and something that's like incredibly enjoyable, go seek that out. It's a and, great um, travelogue too. Like her yeah. and JR, who's the performance artist that teams up with her for that film, just them kind of roaming the French countryside and hanging out and meeting people and discussing, you know, what art means to them and what is art and and you know making these giant life-size billboards and photos yeah. of, of people it's 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 just a good time and it's again like it's a great hangout movie and it really captured her you know uh essence of of how kind and 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 gentle she was and and um just a great filmmaker i mean she uh, her and jean-luc godard are the kind of the last of you know uh French New Wave, post-French New Wave realism that was coming out in the, you know, 50s and 60s. Um, and I haven't seen everything of hers either. Like, there's still some blind spots for me. Like, there's one actually, uh, one sings and the other doesn't that's getting a Criterion release in May that I haven't seen, which I hope to rectify uh, yeah. in, the, in the future. Um, but with me, I, I've seen a lot of her kind of like, quote-unquote, big films, Vagabond. Right. I remember watching that in in film school and um, uh, Cleo from five to seven, which um, is a really power. Like, I mean, obviously everybody is, you know, that, that knows her work cites it as one of the films to kind of start with. It's a very powerful look at a, a woman that after getting a biopsy is waiting for the results and kind of is hanging out in Paris in that period. And it's just, again, like a movie where you kind of experience life through a person's point of view that you would never have thought of to explore in a movie before. And just finding just a, a regular person going through something that could be life altering or, or, or nothing at all, but seeing them kind of think about it and, and still go on with their day-to-day -day routine um, is fantastic. And yeah, again, she was one of those people that 
you know, uh, made a huge mark on the international scene. Obviously, she was um, married uh, to Jacques Demy, who is another great film, uh, French filmmaker. Um, you had people, uh, you know, she worked with composer uh, uh, Michael Legrand, who also just recently passed away not too long ago. Um, you think of, you know, Francois Truffaut and uh, Jacques Tati and, and so many others that, you know, were a part of this new way of thinking a new way of making films and the only one left is Jean-Luc Godard at this point so yeah and Robert Brisson as well yeah but sad um but she lived a a, a very long and and yeah 90 is yeah. nothing to I mean that's I mean yeah. we we should all be lucky to get to oh, that, I know if I can make it and to... still kicking it like <laughs> yeah, she was I know and that's what I mean that's why I think it was actually more of a surprise to some people than I mean when you start getting to 90 like my grandparents are are in their 90s now and you have to cherish every single day but I mean I, it was nice seeing on Twitter people just celebrating her and then and hopefully uh, if there are other people like me who um, my I've always kind of joked about that my film history um, is shitty because it kind of ends at 1989 for the most part because I'm self-centered and only watch movies from when I that's mostly a joke. But I hope things like this when you see people celebrating a great filmmaker after they pass away uh, motivate motivates you like it does for me to go back and kind of revisit some of their work and 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 uh, and seek it out. Um, and that's why people. something like the Criterion Channel yeah. will be perfect because it will hopefully spotlight her in the coming months and more people can exactly get acquainted with her work. And it is great stuff. Um, I would also say that um, she has one more movie that is supposed to come out this year. It played at the Berlin Film Festival, Agnes yeah. Bivarda, which is kind of like a documentary about her career and life and where she is at that point so it'll be a very bittersweet uh film to 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 watch and go out on for sure and did you want to say anything else uh on larry cohen no i mean again like i mean if if you love genre movies and b movies and want to see you know the good and the bad and 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 sort of be inspired by um you know the independent spirit of making movies he's the guy that you want to kind of start with and and the last couple of years, he was finally getting uh, a bit of credit. I know, like, one uh, horror film guy who's always kind of been very positive on him is Joe Bob Briggs, and he's always talked about him as one of the best. So, you know, people were finally starting to, you know, appreciate the work. And if you haven't seen Cue the Winged Serpent, which is his giant Godzilla movie with David Carradine and Michael Moriarty, you should check that out. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very goofy. Uh, so is his It's Alive series, which is about a killer baby. Um, he just did these very outlandish, high-concept horror comedies and blended them really well. I just wish that he had uh, a better team that he was working with because, again, a lot of his movies are very disjointed. And like as much as I do love the stuff... It is a bad film, technically speaking, right. but it's also very enjoyable from like, oh, this somebody actually really did care about this movie the way that like, you know, the people that made Miami Connection cared right, about right, making right, right, that right, film. Right. And it's not like doing it in a kind of, uh, you know, wink at the camera, you know, we're aware that we're making this bad thing kind of way. We're doing or, the best with what we have. Exactly. Right? And yeah. there's there's something to be um, inspired by with that. And and I think both of these filmmakers, obviously from very different ends of the spectrum, um, deserve, uh, you know, their love and, and respect that they've gotten from fans. And hopefully more people will find their work and... Um, yeah, go out and, and watch or, or rent or buy a Agnes Varda movie or a Larry Cohen film and, and, and give them a shot.
a hundred percent. Um, all right, let's move on to the the rest of the news. Um, I wanted to do a little bit of a CinemaCon preview. I know it's mostly a trade and marketing show, so it's a little kind of bullshitty to some people. But um, I always think it's it's a fascinating show because it feels like what Hall H at Comic Con was doing maybe five or six years ago, um, but in a smaller scale because it's a limited amount of press and it's mostly exhibitors, uh, right? exhibitors and theater owners and, uh, and, and things like that. So if you guys are familiar with CinemaCon, it's, yeah, it's a trade show for cinema owners, um, and, and, and people who work in the, in, uh, in theaters and, and things like that, but they also do these kind of, uh, studio presentations. So each year, um, uh, most of the studios kind of host a hour, hour and a half long, um, kind of showcase and um, which shows these theater owners what's coming up in the next year and and it's usually where a lot of uh, footage premieres that you don't see anywhere else that doesn't usually get released anywhere else and some of it's unfinished some of it's early trailers um, some of it is uh, just kind of celebrities coming out on stage and talking about the movies that they're uh, going to be in but I always think it's a fascinating show because you get a lot of reports from stuff that uh, we know nothing about yet, right? And it gives like, you a sense of what's going to be opening from up from the spring, summer, and into the fall. Like it gives you an idea of what each studio has up until next year. Yeah, actually, up until April of next year. So, um, and even more interesting this year because Fox won't be there, but Disney, I'm, but Disney will be. So, right. I mean, I can kind of give you a run through. So, I went through the schedule. The schedule is available to the public online if you go to their website, so you can kind of see how the run of show is going to happen. So, it's from April first. Two fourth of next week. Um, there's going to be studio presentations uh, by STX, Neon, Warner Brothers, Universal, Disney, and Paramount. That's it. So, yeah. Oh wow. So some people bowed out this year, um, uh, and then they're also doing screenings for uh, Wild Rose, Late Night, uh, The Big Picture, and Long Shot. So basically, it's um, a combination of TIFF, Sundance, South by Southwest, and Comic-Con, and Comic-Con screenings yeah. that, you know, are for, again, for the exhibitors. Oh, for the and, screenings, yeah. yeah. Um, they they kind of pick each, like, um, each studio, not each studio, but um, certain studios picked movies to premiere there for this audience. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff we've seen reactions come out of those other festivals. Yeah, I've seen Wild about. Rose. So. Yeah, which played at TIFF last yeah. year, right? Like you said, it's kind of a greatest hits of the last since since TIFF, the different festivals, Yeah, that's right? all opening um, within the next few months or few so. Few months, yeah. yeah. And then when it comes to the studio presentations... Um, It'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens with the Disney presentation, right? I mean, right. with the, the Fox deal closing last week, which we mentioned, um, how they're going to position that to these theater owners. Um, is there going to be any footage from what was a Fox slate before, which is now... A like Disney something like slate? Ad Astra, which we don't um, even know. I mean, it's scheduled for May, but I mean, there's been nothing on it. And this is usually the show that premieres that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Like, this is the show where I first read about Life of Pi and... and um and like i remember just it's the first time you hear and it's some stuff is from smaller filmmakers most of it's from obviously larger franchises and bigger filmmakers this is usually where they showcase here are the movies that are going to make your theaters money in the next year and we want to show you something from the movie to prove to you that it's going to do a great business right right uh and here's what you need to get excited for and plan for so here's our um, awards film for 2019 or here is our big budget blockbuster that we hope you play yeah like they usually i'm sure for endgame they'll show a scene 
scene from it. They'll they don't show, have to show anything and just say, um, play my movie. <laughs> I'm sure they'll, they might even screen it there secretly, like not in one of these public screenings for theater owners maybe, but maybe right. that's too early. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what Disney shows. Cause like, even when we talk about, we go to that Disney presentation every December, usually. Um, yeah. Late and, November, early December. And yeah. sometimes, or yeah, November usually. Yeah. Um, Usually it's like a mix of Comic-Con or D23 and then some CinemaCon stuff. But lately, I mean, last year we didn't see anything really. But again, they um, were, you know, in the midst of a, a, a like transition that. as well, right? So yeah. now that they have, it'll, yeah, it will be very interesting to see what Disney brings to the table and what they hold for their own D23, right? Which is going to be this, this year as well. This, this I mean, summer? there's Star Wars Celebration, there's D23. D23, there's Comic-Con still. And, then and I'm sure they'll save then, the announcement for the Star Wars title for Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, because there's a panel yeah. at uh, Star Wars Celebration, which is also coming up very soon. I think is also in April. Um, so I think uh, we are kind of, I think we might even get a trailer and a title. Yeah. Sort of what they did with M- Endgame, um, where we don't know the title until the end of the trailer, which I believe will probably be during that presentation. Um, as of this, yeah, we don't, I mean, you can speculate what footage that you're going to see, but we'll probably have a full report next week. Um, we sure will, because this um, is the stuff we talk about and we're going to bore you to death with, yeah. with it, but we well, love I mean, it. So. I'm going to be interested in seeing, um, what, uh, what journalists go and what they'll usually do kind of breakdowns of the footage that they saw and, and, um, we'll try to give you warning if you don't want to hear about it, but I'll probably read up about all of it. Cause uh, that's when I first read about, like they premiered the circle of life Lion King scene, I think two years ago at, um, at CinemaCon, And we only first saw that this year now. So yeah. like you see some stuff that's really, really early too. So it could be not even stuff that's this year, but could be ne- late next year. Right. Right. Cause I remember like Disney so. was, was it at D23 or was it at CinemaCon when they showed, showed the timeline of all the Marvel movies that they had coming so they up. did their own separate thing for that. So for phase three of the MCU, Kevin Feige had a random like Tuesday morning um, like Marvel presentation where they just invited a bunch of press and it was before Age of Ultron came out. And um, they could do that again um, this year. I do their own that. thing. Yeah. yeah. Either it'll be at D23 or they'll wait until after Endgame and maybe like. It depends how early they want to announce all that stuff, but I have a feeling right. they'll do it. We're already hearing that. We'll talk about it in news, right? Yeah, and I feel like they want to get ahead of that, and the only reason why they're not confirming anything is because they want Endgame to come out, right? right. And like, even after Captain Marvel, we speculated, like, well, how long till they do Endgame marketing where they uh, put Captain Marvel in the trailers or they spoil Infinity War, and then they did that pretty much the week after um, Captain Marvel came out, right? So... And I mean, we still have Spider-Man Far From Home coming, but um, Far Which, From Home is coming, not <laughs> Far From Home coming, but uh, Far From Home coming. Uh, but but will yeah. that? We've talked about it. Is do we know yet? Is that a part of Phase Three or Phase Four? I'm still saying Phase Four. From what I've looked at on like Wikipedia and things like that, and how. So it's not going to be the Ant-Man and the Wasp of this year, where it's like the the phase three movie that's the or the phase yeah the kind of a footnote so to speak i mean i think it's inevitably going to be that because it was in production before uh i mean well it was in production right after endgame they shot but like it's that weird movie that's gonna feel like it's kind of part of phase three but then also the start of phase four and i think it could be just like really much like a one and done kind of thing. Like it's not really going to, I mean, but you do have Nick Fury, you do have Maria Hill in the movie. Um, Spoiler. 
Sorry, um, but <laughs> is um, Venom in it? Venom. Uh, <laughs> how about how about Jared Leto's Morbius? I hope not. Um, but maybe we'll get more answers. Like, uh, I mean, Sony isn't doing a presentation at. Um, See, that's interesting as well. The, the studios that aren't there this year, and I mean, obviously Netflix has Netflix, never had a presence no, there, no. but Amazon does. But. Amazon, but yeah, but like seeing this, like you know, they have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out right in the summer, which is going to be one of their big releases and even even Brightburn, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it seems odd that they're skipping it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got an email today with the Sony slate for the next two, two years or something. Yeah. Um, which we get periodically with updates, but... That um, happens with a lot of studios. They'll send us kind of an like updated a, list of their... A Word document yeah. with just titles on it and release dates. Most of it says untitled blank movie or right. whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. So not much else to really preview. We'll come back next week. Um, CinemaCon is just one of those shows that I always, I'm a marketing guy through and through too, which as much as I love movies and some people think that the marketing stuff is kind of bullshit or spoils too much. I I'm fascinated with trailers and how they market movies and things like that. So CinemaCon there's an art always, to it, man. Yeah, and CinemaCon always interested me for that. And, and again, you're excited for these movies. So if you start to hear, stuff about them and what it actually looks like or what i mean usually it's all that kind of circle jerky everything's awesome kind of stuff that you get out of comic cons and presentations and and film festivals even um where everyone's like it was amazing it was the best thing i've ever seen because well it's it's like a film um, festival right like it's like when you hear you know breaking news out of toronto or sundance oh we're guilty of it too yeah yeah it's it's hyperbole and and you know like the people that really love it will champion it and it's great i mean i love the enthusiasm but then once you actually get to the movie yourself sometimes that can hurt the film because you have these expectations that are much higher than yeah what the movie I mean, is delivering and it, it might even just be a good movie but like you're thinking like it's supposed to be you know the greatest thing since sliced bread um everyone always makes fun of the reactions after seeing watch or not Watchmen. um sucker punch was it sucker punch what the fuck is that movie called is it, it was sucker some punch? Zack snyder movie yeah that <laughs> is it sucker punch or am i losing no well, even Shazam. Look at yeah. Shazam, right? Like, I mean, everything that was coming out, um, even before the embargo broke, there were social media reactions. Everybody was like, yeah, this is, you know, the first great DC uh, movie after, you know, post-Justice League. They finally are back on track. And then we see it and we're like, eh, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. It's being way overhyped. It's, so it, it happens. And, and again, this happens all the time at, at uh, during festivals where you'll hear like a movie like Assassination Nation is a timely, yeah. uh, important piece of filmmaking and it turns out to be just garbage. <laughs> empty. Yeah. Um, so we'll report back on, uh, we're not going, but we'll report on people's reports <laughs> of CinemaCon uh, next week and we'll, we'll give full credit to um, uh, to whoever's giving those kind of descriptions yeah, this week. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll also get some more trailers launching around that time as well. Yeah. Well, because, like, we'll we'll hear, like, oh, this movie's coming out this summer, and then, you know, like, a studio will release a trailer or preview or something. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, yeah, uh, we might see trailers. The footage that they show, usually it's not, like... What's cool lately about Comic-Con and these different things, and even D23 to an extent, is that they've been doing that, like, simultaneous like we drop the trailer right after it f- finishes showing at comic-con where which is you, smart because you just got yeah. all those bootleg trailers that were exactly. getting views and it's like well why not just release it and, and have the studio reap the rewards of that exactly um and warner brothers did a good job at that i mean i remember seeing um yep they thrusted all those crappy movies yeah. on us 
Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Tom Hanks is going to play Elvis's manager in Boz Lerman's Elvis biopic. Um, I know you're not a huge Boz Lerman fan. I'm um, not an Elvis fan either. Really? No. I, I can't really say I am either. I mean, I'm mo- mostly indifferent, but um, yeah, I mean, I love Tom Hanks. I, I'm i hit or miss with Boz Lerman. Like, I, I want to like him so badly, um, and sometimes he works for me, and sometimes it's way too much. Um, I mean, mostly it's always way too much, but at least sometimes the way too much works. Um, I'm going to be, I'm very curious to see, uh, how this turns out, if it's going to be more traditional or if he'll, I'm sure it's, oh, there'll be confetti in one scene. Like just like, that's what I always think of Bos Lerman. Like it's, he's so bombastic. There's confetti and glitter everywhere. Like I want to see a documentary of the people cleaning that stuff up because I mean, it must be. You know, like they must have a crew for that in itself. I've just, yeah, I've never, I've never connected to any of his work. I think the best Boz Lerman movie ever made is Xavier Dolan's Lawrence Anyways. Okay. And I feel like he got that style down perfectly for that film. And that's what he's always been trying to connect with the audience. But there's a lot of people that love Boz Lerman. So like, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that think Moulin Rouge is one of the, you know, the greatest films of the early 2000s. And obviously Romeo and Juliet had a huge impact on a lot of people growing up with that and, you know, watching it in high school for uh, essays and stuff like that and seeing like a different version of... It was a cool way to introduce Yeah, uh, of Shakespeare. Shakespeare. And we'll be talking more about Shakespeare in a little bit as well with Macbeth. But yeah, like it's a a different point of view. But I would also recommend the Ethan Hawke Hamlet movie. for people that are looking for a contemporary look, or Cor- Coriolanus, with directed by Ray Fiennes, um, yeah, I just never got into his stuff. I like the casting of Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker, and I mean, even though I'm not an Elvis fan, it is interesting to know that he was Elvis's only representation, and for everything that he you know did for Elvis, he also was somebody that you know held him back and stole and. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been there's been movies before about this and and TV films. Like I remember in the 2005 2006, there was a, a a biopic about his relationship with Elvis, where it was Randy Quaid who played uh, Tom Parker <laughs> and uh, Jonathan Rhys Meyers who played Elvis. So it'll be interesting to see it from his point of view and um, see if Hanks can be a more surly, arrogant asshole type because, I mean, everybody loves Tom Hanks. And, you know, coming up right after doing another biopic and playing one of the most nicest human beings in the world with Fred Rogers, it's it'll be an interesting comparison or contrast to the two. I'm with you. And I I forgot in Dewey Cox that Jack White plays Elvis, I think, right? Yeah. Isn't Roy Orbison also in that as well? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so. Lots and then who of... played the the Beatles? So you had Paul oh Rudd, God, Paul Jason Rudd, Schwartzman, Jack Black, and who played George? Justin uh, Justin Long. Yeah, yeah. But I made a song about an octopus's <laughs> garden. It's good. It's good. <laughs> that whole scene is good. That whole movie is great. Go watch Dewey Cox. Uh, let's go into the the Hamlet news then. So, um, uh, uh, Macbeth. Or sorry, yeah. Macbeth, my apologies. What? Shakespeare just blends together for you, Matt? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it looks like Joel Cohen is uh, pulling a Peter Fairley. And huh. he's, uh, hey, someone came uh, up with that one. He's splitting off uh, from his brother, it looks he's like. He's untethering from Ethan. Um, to direct Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Um, interesting. I mean, uh, the Coens, they used to be credited 
Like, but that was because that was a union thing, yeah. or that was a part of um, the guild. But they guilds, did co-direct right? it. Yes, like everything. everybody knew that, like you know, Ethan and Joel directed Fargo together, and 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 all that. But it wasn't until, but only Joel was credited. Yeah, things, and then right? Ethan was credited for producing only, and yeah. then both of them were credited for uh, directing, and then neither was credited for editing because they came up with a fake pseudonym Roderick James yeah. for directing because they didn't want to be for too editing. pretentious yeah. Uh, yeah for editing because they didn't want to be too pretentious <laughs> and have their name completely smeared over uh, the film and that's why I, I love the Coen brothers for that um, but yeah this is this is odd because like that's the very first thing that kind of puzzled me when I read that article and I mean I'm fascinated by it. it's A24 that's going to be uh, financing the film as well and it didn't say if it's going to be contemporary or a period piece and judging by what they've done before with um, previous existing material, I think of Homer's Odyssey and they turn that into um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And even the way they kind of, you know, No Country is more of a straightforward story, but at the same time, they took out a lot of stuff that was kind of rambling nonsense from Cormac McCarthy and made it more streamlined. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to see what a uh, you know a Shakespearean. Like, do you Coen think it'll brother, have the Shakespearean? Cohen, not Coen Brothers. Yeah. Cohen movie will yeah. look like. Do you think it'll have Shakespearean dialogue, or it's just going to be kind of based around Macbeth and kind of be his version of it? Well, that, that that that's, that's the Oprah the Where Art Thou question comes into exactly. play because like do you. Do you just take the kind of the the plot points or the elements that make that story what it is and then sort of do your own thing? Because I feel like if anybody is going to make something that is is a little less traditional and off the beaten path, it will be a Cohen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we only just had a Macbeth adaptation a couple of years ago with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard, the uh, Justin Cruzel film, which was a very much traditional, uh, maybe hyper-violent kind of movie and hyper-stylized yeah. film, but that was more in the tradition of the Scottish, you know, king. And, and so I wonder you. if, I think that you might be right where he might take a, uh, a different route and kind of modernize it. Or yeah, or it doesn't even have to be necessarily modern, modern to but today, like, but yeah. like it could be, it could be set in the 1960s. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. And now the other question is, this: does this double our Cohen intake? If they split off from each other, are we going to start getting... Well, it depends like... if we hear um, if Ethan is doing anything. Because I know Ethan actually, I think, was doing some stuff for Broadway right. uh, recently. But like I remember with the Hughes brothers, um, they Albert and Alan Hughes, they split off and they were going to do their own things. And then um, one of them did uh, Broken City which was horrible uh, right. with Mark Wahlberg and, and Russell Crowe. They're the guys yeah. that did uh, Dead Poets Society and, um, oh no, Dead Presidents, pardon me. Um, Dead Presidents and, oh, there was something else. Oh, Menace to Society. Mm-hmm. So you had movies like that and then then they split off and did their own thing and one of them got a movie made and then the other one was trying to get a Gerard Butler action film off the ground for years and it just never came through. And um, so I don't know, it'll, it'll be interesting because I mean, even with, the the fairlies we haven't really heard much other than from peter in terms of output yeah yeah fair um but yeah what will one a one-sided coen brother movie look like i feel like i mean they've been doing it together for so long that i feel like their style is probably not going to be watered down if it's just half of them but they complement each other and everybody that ever is as talked about them or, or or 
had anything to say. They they always say that they're the two headed director that they are basically one person. Right. You know, so it'll be interesting to see if that one person is now really two people separated, yeah. and what Joel will bring and not be able to bring to this, or maybe Ethan will come aboard. I don't know. Like, is it just that this is just fascinating, and and I'm kind of I have anxiety towards it as well because yeah. I love the Coens, but it's like you know I, I want them both. I don't right. want just one. I want I'm them both. You. Change is scary, man. Yeah. Change is scary. But it worked out for Peter Fairley. Yeah. <laughs> Best picture, baby. Yep. Um, on to Space Jam 2. <laughs> what um, a transition. Uh, sorry, I'm going to butcher her name. Sonequa Martin-Green, um, who you guys might know from Star Trek Discovery. And The Walking um, Dead, right? Yes, and The Walking Dead uh, has just been cast as LeBron James' wife in Space Jam 2. So... We're starting to get casting. Uh, this movie's actually happening. Um, is it? Is it, Matt? Um, I don't know. I mean, I loved Space Jam as a kid. Um, but when I, was the last time you watched it? I watched it with Nevis like a, a year or two ago. It doesn't hold up quite as well no. as you remember. No, it does not. Um, but still kind of fun. I mean, I, uh, Nevis loves the Looney Tunes. And uh, Looney Tunes to her was like what disney and the muppets were to me like she had a, an affinity towards looney tunes that i never i had but wasn't like super passionate about did you and have even, a favorite looney tune uh no see i, I don't think so uh, did you yeah foghorn leghorn oh yeah jonah hill and, yeah. and beach bomb well i do declare <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i'll say i'll say yeah, I, Martian Manhunter? I don't know. I have Martian Manhunter Marvin. socks. Marvin, Marvin the Martian. Sorry, Martian Manhunter is a DC superhero. I'm Marvin the Martian. Yeah. I liked Marvin as well. Um, Elmer Fudd It's pretty good. Wile E. Coyote. Wile E. Coyote. Sylvester. Roadrunner. Yeah. The one that's problematic is Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, I like Tweety as and well. And I don't even like basketball, but... For some reason, Space Jam just completely worked with me as a kid. So, And that's when Michael um, Jordan at that time was like... Peak. Like Yo, he was yeah. at like a level that the was the biggest, most famous athlete in the world. Well, not just athlete, just person. person like yeah. it felt like he was Hollywood at that time. He was, yeah. yeah. So what's interesting about this is LeBron James is a better actor than Michael Jordan, and I I have laughed at. Um, you don't think uh, those Hanes commercials are well acted? Um, I do think LeBron is actually pretty decent, and I did like as much as I don't really care for. Um, fuck what's the train wreck yeah train wreck um i thought he was actually pretty funny in it and yeah. um well he also seems like a really good person too yeah very uh affable and charismatic and he donates a lot of money to mm. uh schools and funding and stuff like ryan that. coogler's so involved yeah. i mean producing and um i i don't know it'll be cool to see which other um like i it was always fun to see what other Will lola were. return uh, yeah 100 percent um and then to see what other basketball players he brings in in the movie, and then what other comedians like. I mean, Bill Murray was in the first one. Wayne Knight, know, Wayne Knight, and uh, God, I, I hope a Wayne Knight comeback, man. Yeah, I like what? Wayne Knight a lot. I he was in Wayne Blind Knight. Spotting, though. Uh, was he? Yeah. Ooh, I should. I gotta watch. He's in it for five Spotting. minutes, though. Ah, damn. The last thing I saw him before that was um, Punisher Warzone. Right. He played Microchip. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope Charles Barkley's in this. I want yeah, him to do come you think back. they'll bring back like Michael Jordan might even like Yeah, he might cameo or they'll up. make a reference to him. Um maybe uh, Danny DeVito as the yeah. alien boss. Right. Crime Lord. Um depending on what they do with the, the thing. Anyways, it, i I'm, I mean we haven't really You know who about. they won't bring back? R. Kelly to do the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Do 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 
Uh, anyways, not much else to say. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if it'll work. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure kids will like it, and I'm sure, like, I, I'm not even, I don't even know if, you know, um, if people still, like, do, do young kids still grow up on Looney Tunes? Like, is Looney Tunes still a thing I don't for... think it's, like, super, super relevant anymore, is it? Like, where do you see Bugs Bunny and, and everyone, like, I don't know. Yeah, he's not selling tea like Kermit. Like, come on. They used to be, like integral to like warner brothers right yeah like he used to even be in the warner brothers logo all the time and stuff like that but like there's no looney tunes there was a looney tunes actually cartoon on i think cartoon network where it was like a sitcom where bugs and daffy like lived together. oh i like daffy as well daffy's um, good yeah bugs and daffy like lived together in like a uh, like a townhouse or something and it was just about <laughs> them like living their lives like as roommates and it was very it was weird it was like a sitcom um and I watched a bit of it, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do people care about Looney Tunes? It's just the same thing about Muppets. I love the Muppets. Right in, but, and, I, and, and let um, us know. <laughs> yeah, tweet at us if you love the Looney Tunes. Well, because there was Looney Tunes, um, and then there was Tiny Tunes, right? Yeah. And then there was also Animaniacs. Yeah, I was a huge Animaniacs fan, actually, because I like Pinky and the, and the Brain. Brain. Yeah, they and, were the best. Uh, I like the Pigeons uh, as well, that yeah. they were mobsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, like even the Muppets, they've tried to kind of, uh, uh, bring back multiple times and it kind of worked with the Jason Siegel um, uh, movie. But then since then they've been trying to do sequels or forcing TV Walter on everyone. Like, yeah. Doing TV shows. And now they're doing another Muppets show on Disney plus. Right. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think it's just, I think it's, it's. You know, like it speaks to a generation, and then like there's nostalgia for it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the next generation or the generation after it. is going to care about it. They'll find their own Looney Tunes or Sesame Street or what have. I mean, like look at Dora the Explorer, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's it just is one of those things. Like I think like I've never I, I keep hearing jokes about it every now and then, but like Paw Patrol, whatever that is, yeah, you know, yeah, it's huge, man. I think, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to some MCU news, which we seem to have every single week now. Uh, Angelina Jolie is joining the MCU in Chloe Zhao's The Immortals. The Eternals. The Eternals. What is The Immortals? Is that the DC one? That's the... Um, the Immortals? No. No, that's uh, New Gods. The Eternals. The Eternals. See, we're oh, getting yeah. this. New Gods is DC, which is Jack Kirby. Yes. You're the comic book guy. The Eternals is Marvel. I do, but when you start getting into this, like, cosmic, like, gods kind of thing, you lose me. Like, I was Immortals like, is the film with Henry Cavill and Mickey Rourke. Right. <laughs> okay. Which came Sorry. out after the Clash Eternals. of the Titans. The Eternals. Yes. Sorry, I have it written down here as The Eternals. I just didn't speak properly. Um... Yeah, we don't know much. Again, this we've talked about what we think Phase 4 is going to be, and, and we thought it was really interesting that they're bringing in Chloe Zhao to do this movie, and it's going to be very cosmic heavy, and, and it seems like that's where Phase 4 of the MCU is is going. Um, but yeah, Angelina Jolie uh, will likely play one of these kind of um, eternals or gods that um, live in the outer edges of uh, the cosmos. Um, I don't know much. This is like kind of goes back to that... Uh, when we used to do movie monarchy, when we, we talked about of, Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, well, I'm like, I don't fucking know any. There's a raccoon in here, <laughs> like, but now we see like Rock Raccoon on an Endgame poster, and we're like, oh yeah, baby, let's go. Let's I do go. wish that, like, I mean, I I don't mind Bradley Cooper's voice work, but I I every time I see him, I just like, God damn it, I wish Joe Pesci voiced that would have been raccoon. awesome, right? Yeah, yeah that would have been cool. Um, but yeah, like I I don't know much about it either. That but 
what this casting says to me is that it's going to be important to phase four and that it's going to maybe set the tone for what they're going for in the next group of movies. And if this is an ensemble, I mean, obviously Jolie doesn't need to be there for the whole time, but um, if they're casting somebody like her first, this is saying that this is going to be like one of their, you know, maybe star ensemble uh, films. Mm -hmm. Will Lee Pace be in there? I don't know. Yeah. And (laughs) again, with Captain Marvel, and the more I thought about Captain Marvel, I'm like, I kind of even think of Captain Marvel part. I've been watching the Captain America movies and because the, I don't know if this is a spoiler yet, but because the Tesseract is like plays a part in um, Captain Marvel. And I'm like, you could make a case that Captain Marvel is really the fourth Captain America movie. And that's kind of where that franchise is. You could make a lunchbox. Um, but I mean, they're all connected it. anyway. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know much about the Eternals. Again, my comic, Clearly. My, uh, <laughs> comic book knowledge is uh, uh, was focused mostly on like Spider-Man and Batman and kind of the, the more well-known um, DC and Marvel heroes from when I was a kid. But um, as is like, had no fucking idea who the guardians of the galaxy were when we first started talking about them. But hopefully in 10 years or so, we're all excited about the Eternals. I don't right. know. I feel like Marvel could like pull a fast one and everybody and just announce something that we've never heard of. And we would completely believe them. They could do something completely original, but I mean, when, right. when you have decades and decades of like, but they could say material. something already exists, but it doesn't though. Like right. it's like Toilet Boy, we're making a Toilet Boy movie, and yeah. it's like it's 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 like oh yeah, that happened in the nineteen sixties because why not? Yeah. It's like the same thing with the Eternals. Like the the Eternals is a sixties property. Yeah, and um, like I mean, to give people context, like Kurt Russell's character in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is an Eternal, I believe. Right. Um. I could be an eternal wrong. heartthrob. <laughs> I could be wrong. I have no idea. But God, I love Kurt Russell. Um, I like Angelina Jolie a lot. Um, I'm mixed um, on her as a person yeah. in terms of just like acting wise. Like she's fine, but but it does go to she show has presence though. Which yeah, I, she uh, does. No, I'm not saying she doesn't. I mean, she was very the one movie I really like her in um, is Clint Eastwood's Changeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but her her name alone says that that that, that this movie is going to be big. Like. Being the first name in an ensemble cast is is something, and I know she's already finishing up Maleficent with Disney, so maybe that's just a thing. Maybe she's just thinking of her kids as well because her kids are probably that age now where they're watching these movies. So, which you is know, why a lot of these yeah, people kind of why not make some of that Marvel that. money? Yeah, why not? Let's get it. I mean, Javon Hansu is you know just taking all of it. I forgot he's also in Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in Aquaman. He's too. in Guardians. Yeah. He's in Shazam. Yeah. I'm He's in sure. Constantine. Dude, I'm like Aquaman. pretty sure he played someone in Aquaman, didn't he? Yes, he did the voice. It was a voice. Yeah. But, it, but like, he wasn't like physically there, but yes, he did a voice. But he's also like, I mean, it's supposed to be the same fucking universe, isn't it? Like, you're just. Is it? <laughs> I don't know, but like. I just, I don't know. Whatever. Um, I mean, good for him. I mean, I yeah. I, I like him. And, I like Jarman uh, Hanzu too, but, but yeah. like. I'm just like continuity wise. I'm like, come on, guys. There's but it's no the same thing though. Like, like, remember when Alfre Woodard was in um, uh, Age of Ultron at the beginning? And she, no, was it Age of Ultron or was it Civil War? See, these things start to blend together. So no, it was Civil War at the beginning of Civil War, and she's talking to Robert Downey Jr. Um, about, about her, her son, son being killed. Yeah. And then it was announced a couple days later that she was going to be in Luke Cage, and there was confusion with that as well. That it's like, oh but, well, is well, it the like TV in the same stuff's not real? <laughs> well, obviously now it isn't, but at the time it was like, well, because they do reference the movies at, yeah. at some points. It's like, oh, is this the same her character? Twin and, sister. And it, yeah, and it wasn't. So no, I know it's. It, I mean, who really cares? 
they're just at this dumb. point. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Um, the Dead Don't Die, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the Jim Jarmusch uh, zombie movie, um, got a June 14th, uh, 2019 release date. Um, very excited for this. The cast is crazy. Um, I won't list everyone here, but go um, seek it out. Um, the cast is undead. I believe it's on our top 19 most anticipated films, right? Did it Probably, it? or at least we mentioned um, it. Uh, but much earlier than I thought. I thought it would be a fall movie, but I'm glad that we're getting it only in a few short months. Yeah, well, Focus doesn't really have anything for this summer, and this also basically says that this will play at Cannes, probably. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, like the cast has, you know, uh, Jarmusch regulars from Bill Murray, uh, Adam Driver more recently with uh, Patterson, Chloe Sevigny, Selena Gomez... Uh, Steve Buscemi, um, Tom Waits, Danny Glover, the old man in the gun reunion so soon. Um, I'm sure there are plenty other people. Uh, Rosie Perez. Um, I'm just naming names off the top of my head that I can remember. Steve Buscemi. Did you know? uh, yeah, yeah, I said Steve Buscemi. Okay, sorry. Daniel Craig is in it? Uh, there was rumors of like... that. Bill Murray said that he was in it, but they, they, there hasn't been any updates in the cast list, and he's not included. So unless he's making a cameo, mm-hmm. Zombieland style. And it did uh, make our 19. Yeah, well, good, good. Um, good, we're, we're smart. We're starting to check some of these off, eh? I forgot that... Um... I guess Us was the first one that we had on here. Well, Us was, and the Beach Bum, I think, were the two... That we had on here that... Um, or did Us not make it? I think Us made it on... Anyways, It whatever. had to have made it. I thought it did. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this, man. And yeah, this pretty much confirms that it'll probably premiere at Cannes. Oh, and Tilda Swinton, of course. Oh, How yeah. could I fucking forget <laughs> Tilda Swinton, who is in one of the most underrated recent Charmish movies, which is only Lovers Left Alive about which vampires. Which you should go seek out. It's great. Yeah, and, uh, and th- that was an interesting one as well, because there was a lot of confusion with... Um, everybody thought Michael Fassbender was in that movie, but what happened was he was originally cast and then he dropped out and Tom Hiddleston replaced him. Replaced so him. maybe somebody replaced Daniel Craig um, during right. production. Um, but yeah, um, I'm very excited to see anytime Jim Jarmusch works or operates in genre, you always get a very interesting film, even if you don't like it, you know, from uh, Dead Man to uh ghost dog way of the samurai which is one of my favorite films of his and i wish more people would see it and yeah unfortunately, you keep it's not going, on dvd yeah, or blu-ray yeah it's just not available yeah. right and, oh rizza as well as in it yeah oh. um, and you mentioned that i should seek that out but i, just and I was kind of upset that, that that tiff didn't get it for the 1999 retrospective but i know it's a miramax film and an artisan movie so, so maybe they're tied like up and lost in limbo somewhere yeah. and that's probably why it's not released on home video anywhere i don't even think it's available. but it is a badass movie i don't even think it's available on itunes but i'll i'll check now but um yeah very very excited for that um let's move on to the charlie kaufman news so um a few different pieces of information came out for uh, his next film. So uh, Charlie Kaufman's adaptation of I'm Thinking of Ending Things as starring Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, um, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis. Um, so it's in production now. And then um, uh, Brie Larson dropped out. Correct? Yes. So she was going to be in the role that uh, Jesse Buckley is now in. Um, and this was announced a couple months ago and, um, shooting has obviously now commenced. So a Netflix movie, right? Netflix is uh, producing it. Uh, David Thewlis as well, uh, reteaming with, uh, his Anomalisa director. So that's exciting. Um, I will have to say like, I, I like Brie Larson, but I also really like, uh, Jesse Buckley and, and, 
Um, if you, ha- I mean, Beast isn't a great movie, but her performance is really fantastic in the film, and I feel very similar to, uh, similar in that way in that regard to uh, Wild Rose. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see her kind of become a breakout in the next couple of years, which I think she will be. So. Yeah, and Tony Collette's always great. So let's... yeah, and I, I like uh, uh, anomalies a lot. And, and this is uh, going to be interesting because it kind of has very a very similar tagline to what Midsummer is. Like it's a breakup movie, but it also becomes a horror film, and like it's not an a, a dystopian thing, but it's almost like you know when a breakup ends, the, the their world ends. So you know things around them crumble and fall apart, but it'll have probably a very sad sack style of uh, point of view and tone to it that only Charlie Kaufman can bring and self-loathing. Yeah, I mean, I love um, adaptation and being John Malkovich as well. So, yeah, um, and uh, Synecdoche, New York, which yeah. I really like as well. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, A24 is uh, teaming up with Alana Gla- uh, Glazer and John Lee. Uh, after Broad City for False Positive with Pierce Brosnan and Justin Theroux, and it's a horror movie? Yeah, did you did you read any of the I articles haven't. on this? No, no. So this sounds... You put this in. Yes, I did. I yeah. thought you would actually maybe just, you know, like do a little research. But yeah, I do, man. I go through it. The new Apple so News app. It's about it's that. about a couple that wants to have a child, and they go to this fertility uh, clinic and meet this doctor who's kind of known for, um, you know, being that guy that can create miracles for people um but this is in the this is in the log line so it's not spoiling anything he uses his own semen for nefarious purposes nefarious uh so yeah so uh, to me this sounds kind of interesting i just thought it was interesting okay and that's that's just kind of we don't know anything other no they're shooting it in new york now um josh hamilton's also in it who is in eighth grade who played the dad um yeah so i'm i'm Curious about that. Cool, man. Yeah. It sounds like an interesting thing. And, and post Broad City, I'm, I'm curious to see what she'll do and what this director Especially will do. Especially a bring. horror movie, too. Yeah, and yeah. A24 horror movies are very misleading. Oh, yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> They'll market it to you that it'll be this terrifying kind of scare fest, and then it'll be an art house horror movie yeah. that's weird and slow. But I'm sure also be it will have, <laughs> I'm sure comedy, have comedy in it in as it. well. Yeah, it has to, probably. I mean, James Bond. But I feel the... like comedy writers, I mean, we've said this before, are great at writing horror movies, right? Because I feel like comedy and horror have more similarities than we think in the way that you set up a scare and the way that you set up a joke, right? Right. And even how the audience engages with it and how even I've always said that those are the two most subjective genres where it's hard to argue um, objectively if it's good or bad because everyone kind of has a different um, sense of humor and sometimes you like schlocky horror movies where I might think they're garbage or right. I like Saw movies even though... They're you, garbage. Even though they're garbage. <laughs> Um, or you don't like gore, or you do like gore, yada, yada, yada. Right. So it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, again, like, I just like the idea of James Bond is, is, uh, you know, gonna get a baby. Oh boy. Bond baby. Shout out to Pierce Brosnan. Um, all right. And then our big topic for this week, I wanted to talk about, um, Apple TV plus and kind of streaming services in general, which I think on our first episode, we had a similar conversation our first episode of this show i believe we talked about streaming services um so apple had a uh big 
press conference this week where they uh, announced a lot of their new um, software instead of hardware. So a lot of the services that they were going to be offering. So they announced uh, Apple Arcade and they announced a new Apple News Plus app where you can get kind of all your news in in, a, in one app as well as magazine subscriptions. I think they just purchased Texture, um, which is a magazine app and kind of morphed it into this Apple... Uh, Morph morphed it into Apple News Plus. Um, But the big thing that everyone was waiting for was Apple was going to announce their streaming service, which they have now titled Apple TV Plus. Ooh, throwing Uh, some shade at uh, Disney there. uh, Yeah, so... um, And Spielberg revealed himself to be a hypocrite. (laughs) 1,000%. So the whole thing started with... Um, kind of a very nice, you guys can go check out either. Did you watch any of it, Eric? I did. I watched the TV stuff. Yeah. And and Jason Momoa with that sweet hat in the class (laughs) photo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they did this very well produced, uh, video package with a lot of different creators talking about how great Apple is and how much they support creativity and what they're doing with them. Started with Steven Spielberg. You got people like JJ Abrams in there and M night Shyamalan and, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and Jason Momoa. And uh, so anyways, and then they brought these kind of either teams or um, people out one by one to then present to the audience and to the people watching at home uh, the show that they're bringing to Apple TV+. Plus. I just felt like it was done in a very bizarre way in the way that they these people came a very Apple way. Um, but it's Apple, but it was also like, I mean, I think that the criticism that they've been getting is that it's very traditional. Like it doesn't it feel like it's not, there's no new innovation or way that to experience or doing something outside the box. They're just no, kind and of and even the way that suit. they showed it to you was so weird. You didn't see any footage. It was like a black and white photo from like, uh, uh with the Apple. It felt like a Barco uh, yeah. uh, shot because they had like a full right. 3d dimensional. The stage looked nice, but then they had this black and white photo with the Apple TV plus logo. And so each person that came out was this like black and white photo. And then they came out and pitched you essentially the show and they didn't show any fucking footage. And I'm like, it kept going on and on. And what, so Spielberg comes out first and you're like, you motherfucker, this whole, all his Netflix, stuff lately and then that's the first thing where he's like apple's doing such a great job with this new 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 brand new idea called a streaming service and i heard of it i have amazing stories to tell yeah and and he's reviving his uh 80s series but we should also say that apple plus isn't just going to be um Television. Television. It's going to be film as well. Yeah. And they've already picked up stuff But they haven't from they didn't show any of they, that. Yes, they did. They showed a, a, a photo of a film called Hala okay. uh, that they picked up at Sundance and a documentary about elephants. Okay, but they didn't bring those people out. No, no, but they still showed it in the reel. Okay, so yeah, they did show a reel at the end which showed a tiny bit of footage from different things. But anyway, so they brought out Spielberg. They brought out J.J. Abrams. They brought out... Um, Sarah Bareilles with J.J. Abrams, which is very weird, and she performed the theme song to her show. Right. Um, they brought out Kamel Nanjani. They brought out Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell. Uh, who else? Came Momoa, out? Jason Momoa and, and uh, Alfred um, Woodard. Yeah, and uh, and anyways, they and they had a lot of people in the audience that they were cutting to, like <laughs> Chris, Chris Evans, Evans. Is just looking miserable. I mean, it, to, oh. to, to, I like Apple products and I use Apple products and 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 everything, but I always have this weird feeling when i watch those videos yeah Yeah. like i feel like you have to wear the turtleneck and um (laughs) and don't get me wrong there are a lot of people like again i'm a bit i i'm just so invested in their their 
kind of I have I talk about my Apple TV 4K all the time. I ha- I'm using my MacBook to record this right now. I have an iPhone. I I have a watch. A, a Apple Watch. I have everything. But um, I'm getting to that point as I get older that I I don't get suckered into just buying the new thing. And I think they're starting to see that as well, which is why they're trying to focus a bit more on some of these other things that they can kind of. Um, well, yeah, you said software yeah. and like working out the yeah. bugs of things that even, don't work or make them better. Yeah, and what's fascinating is they're even putting Apple TV on certain smart TVs in the future, which they would have never thought to do before. So Samsung, oh LG, Oprah, we forgot Oprah. Oh yeah, fucking Oprah shows out uh, up at the end and, and announces that she's partnered with them. So they have these mega stars and mega creators. Um, my frustration was that they weren't showing any footage and weren't showing me any reason to actually care about these shows other than the people who are making them. And sure, yeah, I love Steven Spielberg. I love J.J. Abrams. You I love, love Tim Apple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love Oprah even. She's great. But, like, they weren't showing me anything to really um, – and here's the biggest problem is that there's so many – fucking streaming services now where everyone thought it was great oh we're gonna get rid of cable we're gonna cut the cord we're just gonna have streaming services but guess what now there's it's basically cable without the commercials and i know that's even cliche to kind of complain about but it is now like when you have to subscribe to uh i mean i'll name some canadian and american stuff but they kind of go hand in hand of like swap them out and they're the same but like netflix crave amazon criterion hulu Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, um, Shutter, um, and you like yeah, again, it goes it, on it, and on goes, and on. There's even more than that, and those are just off the top of my head the ones that I remember using, and each of them costing between at the cheapest what six or seven bucks at the most expensive Netflix at seventeen dollars a month. I yeah, and they now. they rose the price, um, and then like something like Criterion, which I love, but I mean you have to pay uh, it's it's in American dollars, right? So like I you're believe paying, so. So yeah. our ten dollar was it ten dollars we're paying? But yeah, like around 10, there. And then but that ends up being thirteen fourteen dollars, right? So yeah. then, and then now I'm still paying for cable because I'm also a sports guy, so. Um, you can subscribe to just Sportsnet and things like that, but then that ends up being like 25 bucks a month or something. So I might as well get this weird cable package that comes with my internet because then I get internet TV through my Bell 5 thing on my Apple TV so I can stream TV, live TV, and then which is um, where this CBS thing is All Access with yeah. Uh, yeah. Twilight Zone. So again, so when you're paying, let's say on average, 10 to $15 per streaming service, um, and they all have great con- – I'm not denying that they they all don't have great content that's on them. Um, but it's difficult to go like, Jesus Christ, man. Like there's so many different things now that like this Apple thing didn't do enough personally no. for me to go, yeah, I want to pay for that. I don't think I was really even hooked by anything that was being sold in just terms of content. Like, yeah. Um, I can't even like I, – I, I laughed when I heard from Stephen Knight – the guy who brought us Serenity for the Jason Momoa series, yeah, yeah. Um, which basically sounds a lot like uh, Bird Box, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and just, you know, set in a, a world, a futuristic dystopian future. After. And even the anthology series from Spielberg, I'm like, yeah. Well, he sure already did be, that in the 80s, Yeah, right? and I'm sure it'll be fine, and like, but not enough for me to be like, what? how much is Apple going to charge for this? Probably 10 bucks American, which will end up being 12 or $13 here. 
um, when I'm already paying Netflix, like Disney sounds more enticing to me because it has more properties that I care about, right? Yeah. Like it's the plus you um, want to go with. Well, if I and then I have Amazon. I never watch. Oh, any, Amazon Prime as well. I never right? watch anything on Amazon Prime. I have it because I have a Prime membership. Um, I mean, I, we basically spend most of the time on these streaming services just trying to choose something because yeah, there's another, so much. Blading through is a is a big thing that everyone deals with and it's a kind of the the cliche joke of like you spend more time finding something but it's watch. true yeah it is and, and it's going to be even more so when we get all these other streaming services mm-hmm. you know i mean it's a, i guess the biggest first world problem is that we have too much content to consume and again we've talked about that not all of it is for everyone but there is something for everyone if that makes sense but right when you're have a family or even as uh, when you're in a relationship, it makes it a little bit easier because you can split on them. And sometimes you share passwords or codes with people, which I don't really endorse, but I understand why people do it. And I think some of them are made for that, right? If you get four streaming uh, simultaneous streams on Netflix, yeah, use the fuck out of that and split it four ways, right? Because it's $17 a month. And like... Um, Just don't cross the streams. Right. <laughs> um, so I don't know, man. Like this Apple one specifically, like none of the shows they pitched to me really made me go, shit. Uh, Kumail Nanjani's show probably out of them sounded the most interesting. Yeah, Little um, America. Yeah. But it was, I, I think it was mostly because of him and not necessarily right. what, like what he was saying was interesting and, you know, again, like inclusion and equality and yeah. looking at uh, the American dream from an immigrant perspective in America. And I, and I like that. And it's weird that it is called Little America because you have that uh, comedy show, uh, Little Britain. Um, which I don't think people get confused with, but it's just interesting that they they called it Little America. But it was more so because he was excited for it than anything else, and that he was really selling you this idea, and and you were completely engaged by it. And he's just a good public speaker. So yeah, yeah. I mean, here I'm on the Apple TV Plus. Yeah, because you have the the Haley uh, Steinfeld series about uh, Emily Dickinson um, called Dickinson, I think, and then Spielberg's Amazing Stories. Uh, what what was the Momoa show called again? I'm trying to find the list of uh, programs. Of course, Apple doesn't. They say, watch our preview, watch our sneak. And then you had people in the, the show reel that didn't even really, like Brie Larson was in there too, and they didn't yeah. really talk about what they were peddling. Oh, and, and Morning Show, I mean. Morning Show. Uh, the Momoa show is called C. Uh <laughs> Uh, what else do we got? I'm trying to find like a list, but of course they don't have, uh, don't get me wrong. I think the Apple TV product is great. I say Dolby vision, Dolby Atmos. You can get on your Apple TV. Um, I just think getting into this streaming thing, like it just seems like, like everyone's trying to put their foot into everything. Like what we talked about, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Google did that presentation on, uh, trying to get into video games and doing video game streaming and, and the industry is changing so much and everyone wants their own, um, streaming service. Well, YouTube red, like right. And, and YouTube that failed TV, they've yeah. kind of backed off of doing original programming for YouTube red. Cause no one wanted to fucking watch TV on YouTube. Right. I watched the, the garbage like nonsense that we watch on YouTube. That's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch a scripted series. I love rent and link. I don't want to watch buddy system. No. no offense to them, but like, that's not what I'm going to YouTube for YouTube. I'm going for to hang out with people that I, you think have similar interests and they do or watch a tutorial, watch, Yeah, <laughs> tutorial or dumb things like, yeah, there's an, a couple other YouTubers I just discovered through, um, hot ones and, and, um, 
uh, now we feast or what's the ch- actual channel called? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, some Sean Evans channel. I yeah, forget yeah. What it's called? But then I started watching Brothers Green. They did a he did like a stoner food. First we um, feast. First we feast. Um, so on his channel, first we feast. He did like a stoner food late night like how to make stoner food gourmet with these two guys named the brothers green. And now I've been watching their YouTube channel. Cause I like, I both love cooking and I hate it at the same time. Like I hate you're a good cook though. I, 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 I do think I'm decent at it. I, I can follow a recipe really well, or I can experiment and, and get, and, and, get a little and, freaky. and I like cooking, but I just don't like the effort cooking takes and the mess cooking takes. So right. uh, I used to be obsessed. Do with you cooking. like eating your own food that you make or do you feel I, that no. like, like you just eat it because it's there? Cause I know no, some I, chefs don't like eating their own no, stuff. No, I, I love cooking and Nevis loves eating and I love cooking for Nevis and, um, I love cooking for myself too. But if I, if I wasn't with the Nevis and Nevis likes eating at home where I'm lazy to the point where I would just eat out all the time. And I used to do that when I was younger and that's how I ballooned up and got fatter. Um, but I think you can make healthy choice your choices when you eat out. It's just very expensive. But, um, I started watching these bro- the brothers green on YouTube and they're just instructional cooking videos, but that's the kind of shit I want to watch on YouTube right. I don't necessarily. Or yeah. Or if I don't know how to fix my, my fucking fan in my bathrooms, like making a weird noise. So I have to like, you just Google how to fix your bathroom fan or some shit. I just want to see a guy bite mm. into a spicy piece of chicken and have a meltdown. But then you're, yeah, exactly. And so that's why Google uh, or YouTube Red failed, and now they have YouTube Premium, so you don't get ads or you can listen to music and stuff. So that maybe makes more sense, but um, but you got to pick and choose, right? Like you don't subscribe to multiple music streaming services. Yeah, it's like, like Spotify's. I, like the you, really you make a choice. I one. I like Apple Music, so I yeah. use Apple Music because I'm so invested in Apple stuff. Um, if Apple TV Plus comes out and goes, hey, you get one free iTunes movie a month, or you get like. I don't know, free iTunes rentals, like a certain amount every month to kind of entice you into maybe wanting to use their streaming service uh, and paying for it. Like if it was 13 bucks a month and they said you could get, I don't know what's worth it, three, four rentals a month, maybe like sure. once, one a week or something where you could rent a new release film, um, which wouldn't be available on Netflix or somewhere else because they're, they're brand new. That could be really cool, but from the original programming that they're showing me, like if you're ranking the streaming services right now, I think Netflix is far and away probably the best overall right. when it comes to original content mixed with uh, older TV shows for you to catch up on mixed with that. I mean, maybe content cool. that you're not sure is real or yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but mean, they've had time to do it, and they're going to be in a situation where they are going to be fighting a little harder in the fall because I think Disney Plus is going to well, be their direct I think, competition. Exactly, and I think if anyone's going to compete with them, I mean, Apple has the money too. I just don't know if you're going to convince people, like as much as Apple has a stranglehold on uh, the cell phone market and the computer market and, and, and things like that, um, I just don't know if those people are looking for, like they're already using Apple products to watch Netflix and watch those other things. So like, I don't know if you're going to convince them unless if you go, well, if you own an Apple product, you, but I mean, you kind of have to own an Apple product to get Apple TV plus. So it's not like you're going to give those people it for free an incentive. Or, yeah. To, yeah. So to me, it's like you, if me who loves Apple, I just explained to you that I have every Apple product that you could possibly have. Um, and you're not convincing me on 
what shows you're putting out there and like how are you going to convince my parents to sign up for this? They barely know how to fucking use Netflix or like or how to use my Crave account or things like that. Right. Like I my parents really love Crave right now because it has all the HBO content, all the Showtime content and then all of uh HBO. Did I already mention HBO? You said HBO. Sorry, all the new movies. So like and they have a lot of Showtime as well. Movie network stuff. Yeah. So what used to be here in Canada called the Movie Network uh, switched over to Crave. So basically Movie Network always had first dibs on like basically what came out on DVD and Blu-ray a couple months ago. It, it goes to the Movie Network first. So now it kind of goes to Crave first for the most part, depending on who these studios did a deal with. So... I mean, some of that stuff you saw show up on Netflix with they made a deal with Disney and they used to have a deal with Fox, but now that stuff will probably go to Disney Plus. And then it's it's fascinating. And there's just so many that I don't, I just really can't see this succeeding. But Apple has enough money to kind of wait it out. I mean, the, the other big announcement they made is that they're launching a credit card. Um, which oh, yeah. Is, so someone made a joke that it was like, Billy McFarlane that was behind yeah. it. Well, because it's like fire. a fire. Yeah, you get yeah. like a titanium uh, credit card. No, thanks. And, I mean, to me that I understand that they have so much money that they're like, well, to make even more money, we might as well lend some of these. Billions. We might as well become a like, bank. Yeah, we might as well like lend the billions of dollars we have to other people. And then uh, I don't know the way that they presented the credit card was actually weirdly the most interesting thing out of everything that they announced. Right. Um, but I'm fascinated with like, I use my Apple pay for everything too. And I, I put everything on my, my Scotiabank gold Amex card and just pay it off to get the points and stuff like that. Um, and I like tracking where I spend my money. So the stuff that they, um, they announced for the card seemed interesting. It just seemed weird to be announcing a credit card at this thing. And then, yeah. And when it comes to streaming services, I, I, we, I am the worst for it. Like where I, I can't keep up. I'm so focused on new release films. And that's one reason why I don't even go back and watch older movies that much because I'm so focused on what's new and upcoming and, and what's coming out or rewatching some fucking Marvel movie for the 50th time or, or something like that, where I need to kind of go back and watch either, TV shows that are on a lot of these places or movies. Like I still haven't watched Bird Box. Not that you even need to watch you Bird Box. You can wait Box, for C. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, nothing that they showcased. I guess the A24 partnership is the most interesting Which thing they didn't really even get into that. They did have Rashida Jones in there because she's going to be work. Oh, and Sofia Coppola. So Sofia Coppola is directing a film with uh, Bill Murray and Rashida Jones called On the Rocks, which is again, you know, Bill Murray and Sofia Coppola reteaming after Lost in Translation is very exciting. But yeah, they didn't really even go into any of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that means most of A24 stuff will probably either some of it's going direct to Apple TV Plus, and then some, I'm assuming, will play in theaters and then go to Apple TV Plus for whenever. Yeah, because they have direct TV, right? They already have that, but that deal might be expiring soon, and maybe that this replaces that. Right. Um, kind of. But even with the direct TV thing, was always like, oh, those were like the second tier A24 movies, right? Like, yeah. you never took those ones seriously. So I'm like, is it going to be the same case for the ones that go directly to Apple TV? I couldn't Plus? see that, though, for, like, for a Sofia Coppola movie. I know, movie. but isn't that weird, though? Like, maybe they're just judging based on, like, a lot of their horror stuff might be more marketable than maybe a Sofia Coppola movie. So, like, they're like, well, this won't make a ton of money in theaters anyway, so we'll get more money from Apple giving us money to put it on the streaming service. And, I mean, I think that's why a lot of filmmakers are going 
to Netflix as well. I mean, they give the freedom and I'm sure Apple is giving all of these people creative freedom. But right. I mean, one thing people worry about is like product placement and things like that. I mean, Hollywood's been putting Apple products. Well, we've talked about Sony like, all the time. I mean, of course, if it's a Sony movie, they're going to have a Sony computer. Or, or use Bing. Yeah. <laughs> Those are weird with get out still. Yeah. <laughs> I know that that's always, but those, those are those things where big companies take these risks and try to insert themselves in a, like, why the fuck did Microsoft try to make Bing a thing? Like Google already had that. Like, don't compete with something you think you like that. You just have no business competing in. And I just, Apple has never, I mean, I, th- I love their marketing and I think they have really creative people, but like, and I think they're bringing in a lot of great talent. It's just, I just don't care, and that's right. not a good sign. And it just, again, it feels like it's just they're throwing their hat in the ring or their apple in the ring for competition and nothing else. Like it's, And because they have too much money. Yeah. They just have money lying around, right? And they're like, uh, again, people are like, fucking announce an iPad that has Mac OS X on it. I don't care about this other shit. Show me an iPad that has the same capability as this MacBook has right now. Why do you have two different... Like you have the capabilities to do these things, but you still want to sell two different products because if you announce an iPad that is has the same functionality as a MacBook, no one's going to want to buy a MacBook anymore or you're going to cannibalize your own thing because it does both, right? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I mean, I love Apple and it's just there's too many people. I mean, I worked at a streaming service that failed, right? Yeah. And it failed because of... Like, again, when you launch this stuff, when you you can't compete with the the big red monster, right? And I'm not talking about Kane from the WWE. I'm talking I about you Netflix. Were. Clifford? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you can't compete with them because you don't match content-wise or you're not on all the same platforms as them or Netflix is already available on a lot of the platforms you already uh, have, but you're not playing nice with them because, um, like, Netflix isn't going to be available on the Apple TV app, right? And it, it doesn't play nice with that. It's on Apple TV, but not on that specific new app that they announced and things like that, where you can bundle HBO and different things on that. And then when we're in Canada, it works a little bit differently too, right? Because we have different content licensing over here. We don't get all the same things. Our services are different than yeah. everywhere. Where I'm sure the Apple thing will be worldwide, but... Um, and probably the same with Disney Plus, right? Like, it's, yeah, you'd think, right? Because it's all properties that they own outright that they don't need to. But like, even with Twilight Zone, um, which we'll probably talk about on next week's episode, I'm sure both of us will watch that. Uh, are you going to wait? Or are you going to watch that like weekly? I'll maybe try to watch it weekly. I mean, they I seem like, like they are going it. to be mini movies, yeah. right? I mean, they, like just like the way they're releasing the posters for the comedian and, mm-hmm. and what have you. So yeah. So, anyways, but even with. Um, like we have CBS All Access here in Canada, but Twilight Zone is a city TV show here. So does that mean it's not airing on? And like Star Trek Discovery is on Crave here, right? right. So like, it's just bizarre how it. it I mean, it's just, well, I remember we even had this place. conversation with Twin Peaks: The Return when it was coming about. Like we weren't sure where it was going to end up each and every week and then it ended up on crave yeah. and and the other issue that you guys hear us talk about every week is just quality too right like crave we, is the worst is, for quality is great awful. selection horrible quality if they could nail so i will give a shout out to netflix and apple if anything they are the two where their streaming quality 
is very good. Like their 4K stuff looks great. Like it doesn't seem too compressed. It's not like sometimes in darker scenes, you get that weird kind of compressed pixelation. Right. Um, and especially in the 1080p stuff, not so much the 4K stuff. Uh, but Crave looks like you're watching something on DVD. And it's just, if you're, it looks okay on a 1080p TV, but on a 4K TV, it looks really bad. But their selection is great, right? But Most people don't um, care about that, though, anyways, when it comes down to it. They're more interested in the quantity and the selection than they are the quality of the, um, you know, actually watching the movie and yeah, seeing which is it unfortunate. the best way they like, can. I've, I've stopped watching Game of Thrones because I'm like man, this quality just sucks so bad. Like, I have to go in my bedroom and watch it on the 1080p TV if I even want it to look remotely okay because it looks like shit on the 4K TV. And Apple each week has Game of Thrones sales. So I'm like almost waiting for season six and seven to go on sale on iTunes so I can just buy them. And I'm like, then why the fuck am I paying for Crave TV? And then I'm like, well, now the new season of Game of Thrones is coming out, and I probably want to watch that as it's actually airing, right? But I don't know, man. So do you think you'll subscribe to this? I don't know. I think if I had to choose between everything that's coming out this fall, What do you think people can afford? Like, let's brainstorm there. So, like, you probably don't want to pay more than, what, like 50 bucks a month total on streaming services? Like, that seems... Like what you'd probably want to pay for. I mean, cable's outrageous. It's like a hundred dollars a month or whatever now. But um, or at least I worked at Rogers and different things. It was always obscenely expensive. But so what? Maybe you can get three or four streaming services and be comfortable. Right. Like, like I, I think the the three that I would go for personally, obviously, Criterion, Netflix, and Disney, Disney. Plus. I think that gives you a good variety, right? Mm-hmm. Because Netflix- and I'm not going to get to any everything anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only have Prime because I subs- I actually use- Prime has another use, right? Like mm-hmm. you get Twitch out of it, you get actual good shipping options on Amazon if yeah, you Yeah, you get deals. Lot. Yeah, so you if you shop a lot on Amazon, there's some bonuses there, so that's why Amazon Prime's like that other one that's just kind of there, but I never use it because I usually watch their films before they land on Amazon Prime, and none of their TV stuff really interests me. I mean, mind you, when in the Invincible series comes out, uh, I'll probably want to watch the shit out of that, right? Right. And there's always going to be that one thing, but I guess... But the, is that enough? I guess you could use this stuff like some people do with like HBO, and you just subscribe for the show that you want. And right, like I'm sure it, a lot of people are like, doing that with, or, or have done that with Game of Thrones. I remember my stepdad when Game of Thrones first came on, like he would only subscribe for like a month or two for and then, Game of Thrones. Yeah, which then, a lot of people do, right? Yeah, cancel that account afterwards. Yeah. Subscription. So yeah, I'm with you where Criterion seems like the one where if, you, if you're a film fan and you want to go back and watch older things, you definitely have to subscribe there. Disney's going to have, if you're a Star Wars and Marvel fan or have kids, and things like that. Have that's that. where they're going to get and you is because if you have children, like that seems like a no brainer. Like you're, and if it has the complete Disney library, that's mm-hmm. going to be crazy. And Fox now too, yeah. like anything from Fox that's PG 13 or under, and I'm sure R rated stuff will go on there, but maybe it'll be in a protected area yeah. or something like that. But adult protected um, codes. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. You got to put in the Konami code to get there. And then, um, and yeah, I, I don't know, like the ones, but Crave is also excellent, right? Cause you want all the HBO stuff and right like yeah sesame um, street man yeah i don't know man it's <laughs> it's crazy I mean, that was the other weird one where it's like so we're doing a sesame street spinoff for apple plus um but it's not sesame street yeah i don't know big bird was just helping promote it i think yeah 
but it was about coding yeah like for preschoolers <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> gotta teach them early how to hack into things i don't know man um but yeah unless you're like i guess pool with friends is my thing like if they're gonna keep allowing you to do that if you get two or three streams on my best bet is go for the biggest package the most expensive one that gets you 4k and if all of these places are doing the same thing as is netflix um and then it, you usually have four concurrent streams split it with four people and then it makes it a little bit more manageable maybe right but um I don't know, man. But none of these shows that they announced really were like, fuck, I got to watch that. Yeah, like I'm still more excited about The Mandalorian and, you know, Taika Waititi voicing IG-88. Yeah, and Werner Herzog playing a villain. Yeah. <laughs> like that sounds That's way better. <laughs> like that sounds way better, yeah. right? And I haven't even, um, we haven't actually even seen any footage for it yeah. yet. And I'm still kind of sold on it. D23 probably, yeah. right? I feel like we'll get a lot of Disney Plus news out of D23. but Yeah. Um, but yeah, this Apple thing, very underwhelming. I watched the whole thing and I was like, ah, what? You're going to bring people out on stage and not even show anything from these <laughs> We shows? were as unimpressed as Chris Evans was. Yeah. Yeah. He seems so <laughs> bored. I'm like, and why was he? I don't know. I'm not I think he's a producer on something. I think him and Brie Larson are producing something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't doubt it. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, if you guys like this, we do another podcast, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, called Untitled Movie Reviews, where we have uh, brand new reviews of uh, upcoming films, new release films, and stuff that's uh, on streaming services. Will we review some stuff that's on Apple TV Plus? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> After uh, we finish shitting on them. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Uh, I'll, probably the movie content we will uh, review. But uh, we have a new review up for Shazam, which you guys should check out, as well as for Beach Bum, Dumbo, Us, and Waiting for the Punchline. Lots and lots of content over there. So please give that a subscribe. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work across the internets. Uh, just Google my name, Matt Rohrbeck, if you want to uh, find my other work. I'm in a myriad of places. Or follow me on social media, at Matt Rohrbeck, on all of them. All of them, at Matt Rohrbeck. It's the same thing. Do you think, here's before we sign off, Actually, do your sign-off. Oh, first. okay. So uh, you can find me on the social media platforms at EM6211, and you can see my video reviews in CinemaScene at rogerstv.com slash CinemaScene. Matt, you were talking about something? I have one last question before we wrap, and Yo. I think I saw this going around the internet, and I think in our cases we probably are. Do you think you're the most famous person with your exact name? Like, do you think you are the most famous? We're not even famous, either of us. That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> but most well-known person with your name. This is a very self-centered question. Narcissistic. A narcissistic um, question. But yeah. I think I probably am the most... Like, if you Google your name, are you the person that shows up the most? Well, I think my name shows up a lot, not because I'm the most famous person, but because <laughs> my last name in German means fairy tale. So I think it just comes up as Eric fa Fairy Tale. Well, Marchin and and yeah. and then some people think I'm French too, and they pronounce it Marchand. Marchand. Um, but I I guess I know there's somebody that has my name in Ottawa. So I'm shout Googling, out to I'm Eric Googling Marchand your in name. Ottawa. So guys, we wrap the show. But this is um if you if you're a big fan, you'll stick around for this garbage. <laughs> um, I'm Googling Eric's. Name. We're also and looking at ourselves in the mirror as we do this. You're definitely the most famous Eric Marchand because the first thing when you Google is your Twitter that pops up. Then your Critics' Choice member thing is number two. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of your videos, your Anthony Daniels um, interview. 
uh, and things like that. Oh, that was exciting. So that C-3PO... Uh, on, on the poster for oh, right. that non-generic, he has, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has uh, Chewie's. Uh, we didn't talk about the Star yeah. Wars stuff, but I, when it comes to rumors and like leaked stuff, I don't really love. No, but I just like that photo it. of him because yeah. like, that weird alien was awesome yeah. too on that. Um, yeah, you're definitely because like, uh, what else do we got here? Yeah, your LinkedIn, your Instagram, but it's all social media show. stuff for the most star- but part. That's like, what it's I mean. But like... if there were other more famous Eric Marchins, they would show up first, right? Yeah. I, I'm pissed that Untitled Movie Reviews and Untitled Movie Podcast doesn't come until the friggin' second page. What the hell, man? You got more popular shit than this show. And then if you Google my name... Hey, we're popular to some people. Mostly our parents. Um, yeah, my Twitter pops up and then my LinkedIn. It's all the same shit, I guess, when you're Googling people's names, right? Yeah. And then... But then, but then it also says, people, don't be such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, don't be a narcissistic <laughs> asshole. But I just thought Well, the that, thing right? that always has bothered me, and this is me just like a personal court, I hate um, the Twitter verification and Instagram verification for people that aren't quote-unquote like – like I understand it for like big names, but I don't understand it for some people that are like – you know – some film critics like I just find that that's really narcissistic. But you want it though? No, I you don't. Want it. I I've do. never even applied. I I've never even applied for it. This is a narcissistic thing, and this is the one thing I'm not that kind of guy either. You know that I'm pretty. But, like, but I see some uh, people that want it or have it, and I'm it, like, man. I want it. I don't care. <laughs> it it doesn't bother me. I'm I know. I like, don't. I don't doubt it. I don't give a shit. It was just. I think Twitter's been that one platform that I've been on since the beginning, and it's just the thing that I love doing. So it just right. like. But I think you're. I think we're validated already. Like I mean, being accepted me into film festivals and doing the work and getting the opportunity. Percent. Like it's just. I still like, want that blue check, man. Right. I know, still but I see it. some people that have it, and I'm just like. Really? But this okay. is what I tell you. You don't, feel big now, buddy? Don't, like, don't worry about anyone but yourself. Yeah, no, but that's the thing. And I don't. But I just sometimes think to myself <laughs> that I'm just like, you don't need that. Like, who are you trying to impress? Let the work speak for itself. Yeah, but that is part of it, man. I think uh, that's still kind of a... It's still kind of... This is where I like, disagree. This is the narcissistic thing that bothers me. No, but that's part where I disagree, where I feel like you should be your own biggest champion and that that's part of it. Oh, and I if don't like helps selling you, yourself. No, but I, I think but... that uh, just one thing. I think it if that's helping you get your work out there and bring some legitimacy and people take you maybe a little bit more seriously because you have it, even if it's the opposite for some people, I, I don't, I don't think that hurts. And I think that's an okay thing. Eh, and okay. I've always been uh, like, again, if you're someone who puts yourself out there and puts your face out there or puts your work out there, um, yeah, but what there, makes this other person, but then that's more just credible tw- than you, but for that's example. Twitter's problem, not right. that person's problem. Right. So you can't hold that against the person who, no, who I know that, but that conversation in general, like what, like what, what it doesn't, but I'm just saying it might, it might just make them, be noticed a bit more and that's not your problem or their problem no but like I you said that's twitter's problem so like what yeah. is the deal with twitter being like well what how does that determine their that whole you're a system better... is fucked up it really is like they changed it they had they were verifying nazis basically and it got all fucked up and then usually a lot of journalists or film critics and stuff like that there was a period where yeah you would get verified and i i don't blame them for wanting that and essentially it helps them again. It's it's always a hustle, right? And yeah. you know this. 
this and I know this. And I just, for me, it's like, if you need to hustle and that little check mark helps people go, Ooh, I, that person said something or they put something out there and it just makes your work get noticed more. I don't blame that person. Yeah. I, maybe put it on Twitter of going, it's not an even playing field of who they exactly. Who and they I don't like when some people use that as like saying like, well, I'm better than you. And I have seen that before too, where it's like, there's like a kind of condescension that comes into play a little bit sure yeah i mean it's just with great power comes great responsibility man you just gotta gotta do anyways how many times does uncle ben have to die i don't know do you think he's verified anyways i just thought of that because like i guess my last name's not that common either though right there's like one or two other matt rorbecks i think um there's one kid that lives in like out east or something but um I'm just very proud of my name. He's your doppelganger. So, and we put ourselves out there, so I want people to notice us. We sure do. Anyways, that was, uh, we already signed off, and this was your uh, your post-sign-off. Bonus rant. Narcissistic, uh, are we important enough? Give us that blue checkmark Twitter. We love you. See you next week. Give it to Matt. Give it to Matt. I'll take it. Or the Untitled Movie Podcast, either one. Yeah. I love you, Twitter. (laughs) Bye, everyone. You're okay. See you next week.